This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, vackra, snälla, Welcome, everybody, to the season finale episode of the Keeping Carlson Fans Hockey Podcast, the best fans hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who at one point owned Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, with me to wrap up the season and give you quite the eclectic episode. I think you're going to like it, Brian Com. Yes, here we are, finally, at the end of the season. What a season it's been. If you're fretting, by the way, that you're hearing last regular season episode of the show, keep in mind we still go through the spring, through the summer, bi-weekly is what we'll change to. And by the way, we have a special announcement coming towards the end of this quite unconventional episode of the show. So stay tuned for that. And for everything, Elon, can you set up what's going to happen on this episode? Okay. By the way, what is the announcement? I didn't know that we have a special announcement. Our playoff pool details. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so special. We're going to have a playoff pool. Okay. Let me tell you what's going to happen this week uh, in this episode. Okay. Big show coming. Here's the plan. Brian and I are going to start the show by going over some of the season final category leaders, go over who was leading in points, goals, assists, who impressed us, who surprised us. Then we have an interview scheduled. Hopefully everything will go smooth. Technically, we have an interview with a Dauber hockey writer. We'll tell you all about him around 8.30. Really fun interview. Then at around 9, you'll notice for those of you live in the chat room, we've got a bunch of cupful winners. That's right. It's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League. There were 11 divisions this year. We've got six of the winners, including like the Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 winners. So we've got the big guns out, and we're going to be doing a live playoff pool. So those of you listening that are going to be having your own playoff pools coming up, you could use the wisdom of Brian and I and the Kakupful winners to help you to prepare. We're also going to have a quick chat with the ult- the new Ultimate Kakupful champion, the Tier 1 champion, Jeff. So we've got a packed show for all of you. It's not going to be our normal fare. I'm planning not to edit, Brian. So this is just going to be whatever happens, we're going with it. And whatever you hear, guys, that's going to be what actually happened let's get started actually let's mention to start by the way we are presented by the best fans hockey website out there dauberhockey.com what else is there to say if you made it this far into the season if you're still listening to keeping carlson i assume you made it to your finals of your pool or very close to it and i'm sure you got help from dauberhockey.com they had everything all year round amazing articles including the one we're going to be talking about line combinations starting goalies they even have a playoff draft kit so if you have a playoff pool draft coming up and you, you know, this episode isn't quite enough to help you. You could always check the one out at DauberHockey.com. Man, what else is there to say about them? We've been talking about them all year. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about them a little more with Steve Laidlaw, who's going to come on and be our interview. He wrote a great article about the Fantasy Hockey All-Stars that we are going to dig into. And then we're going to have our live playoff pool draft. It's going to be so much fun. All right, so let's get into it, though. Okay, let's start by talking about some of the awesome leaders that happened in the league. There's so many surprises. Some of them not so surprising. Some are impressive. Now we're sort of doing a little season wrap up before we move on to the playoffs. And so let's start with the Art Ross race. This was quite the exciting race for a bit of the year. And then by the end, it was pretty much over. And Connor McDavid won I remember going into the year, Brian, I don't know if you remember, we had a podcast where we were projecting some players and I said there was over 50% chance that Connor McDavid would win. You concurred and he's won it. Of course, uh, maybe it was easy to say then, but, and I didn't draft him as such. I, well, I, I don't know, actually, I'm trying to think in my pools. I guess I could have had him like over Chris Letang and the couple. Let's not get into that. But yeah, how shocked are you and how impressed are you and how many years in a row is Connor McDavid going to win this Art Ross Trophy? This could be the start of a long run at the top. Like there's no upcoming challenger. You might look at Austin Matthews as a potential challenger, but I don't think there's anyone younger than him who's going to come up and challenge him for a while, which means he just has to outlast Crosby and Ovechkin, who wasn't even in the top seven this year on the list. Kucherov might be a challenger. Uh, And you know what? To be fair, Elon, we said – McDavid had a good shot at winning it before the season started. But more recently, I actually thought Crosby was going to take it in the end. So I was wrong about that. And uh, Elon, you want to know, uh, there's a big list of guys who had 70 or more points. There's a lot of scoring in the NHL this year. Although for anyone who thinks that's more or less than usual, it's about the same. There were 17 guys last year with 70 or more points, 19 the year prior, 18 the year before that. So 18 doing it this year it's kind of like clockwork that's just how it works you have somewhere between 17 and 19 players hitting the or exceeding the 70 point plateau at the end of an NHL season okay so then this is about what we could have expected but of course the hard thing is to project who are going to be the 17 or 18 guys who get over 70 points Chris here in the chat is saying his Art Ross pick was Jamie Ben. Big mistake, man. Ben and Sagan really messed up a lot of teams in their fantasy finals. They were not very productive. Ben ended up ranking 20th overall in the league with 69 points in 77 games. So he doesn't even crack the 70-point mark. Obviously, if he would have played all 82 games, I'm sure he would have gotten there. But like more noteworthy for Jamie Ben is the fact that, well, he did have a goal today and an assist on Friday, but before that, he went one, two, three, four, five, six games without a point. So that could really burn if those were your fantasy hockey finals. I don't know, Brian. I'm curious to know what do you think about Ben and Second? I'm sure a lot of people expected them to be in like the top five or at least top 10 in league scoring. Both of them with this really brutal finish fall, fell way, way down. I don't even know if Second, oh yeah, Second 15th with 72 points. It's not horrible. It's more just like how he ended. What do you think about these guys moving forward? News just came out that Lindy Ruff is not going to be coming back to the Dallas Stars. What does this mean? Is this good news, bad news? Or like, what can we even say about these guys going next year? I feel like this is going to be a great chance to buy low on them. All the people who remember getting screwed by them in their fantasy hockey finals aren't going to want to draft them again next year, which means maybe you could get one of them in like the second round, which would have been unheard of going into this season. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be cool to them. Not only did they not get up to their usual numbers, but they also were hit and miss at a lot of different parts during the year. And especially anyone who owned Sagan or Ben down the stretch did not have a lot to thank them for. They didn't do them much favors. But as we've talked about, this coaching change is something that had to happen in Dallas. 
and hopefully it'll bode well. There might be a deeper problem in the front office if Jim Nill stays on and continues shipping away blue line depth and not solving the goaltending situation. So we'll have to see how all that plays out. But I imagine a better coach than Lindy Ruff can get more out of Sagan and Ben than they were able to offer this year. Okay, so that'll be something to watch. And obviously, we'll preview that during our summer series. Let me round down the top 10 or so of league scoring. As of now, there's still some games going. Brian, let me know if there's any names here that jump out as you as being especially surprising. So McDavid comes first with 98 points. Crosby, 89. By the way, Crosby, the reason why it seemed like, because Crosby, you know, was injured for like the first seven games of the season. So then it seemed like he was behind and he really came close at one point to catching up to McDavid. And it seemed like if, if everything just kept going and everyone kept on going with the same pace as they were on, it seemed like Crosby was going to lap beat him and then end up beating him by like a significant amount. But then I guess Crosby slowed down near the end and Connor McDavid did not. Like if we go to the, uh, you know, leading scores just over the past like 60 days, let's say Connor McDavid led the league in the last. So in his last 26 games, he had 38 points while Crosby actually have to go all the way down 29 points in 29 games, which is of course amazing and elite production, but not enough to win you the Art Ross trophy when you're competing against Connor McDavid. But okay, let me go through the rest of the leading scores. Like I said, I was going to do so McDavid first, Crosby, Patrick Kane. He's a guy, by the way, Brian, Last year, over 100 points, was the Art Ross winner. I recall we were talking about him. We were both saying we don't think he's going to crack 100 again. So we were right about that, but definitely still super valuable. 89 points in 82 games. That's pretty much around where you were expecting him, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so then Nicholas Backstrom, which maybe nobody expected him to be fourth in league scoring, though he's always way up there. Uh, Kucherov, maybe he was a guy who no one expected to be that high. Next year, people are not going to be making that mistake. Then Brad Marchand, that's probably a surprise. Shifley also, Brent Burns, Dreisaitl, and then Tarasenko rounds out the top 10 as of now with 75 points. Any of those names worth talking about? Well, you tell me. Is there anyone you want to know a little bit more about? Well, Dreisaitl is someone who we've already eaten a bit of crow about just over the past few weeks because we both said going into the season, oh, he's not going to have Taylor Hall. If he doesn't play with McDavid, he's not going to be able to do much. He ended up not playing with McDavid for a lot of the start of the year, except for on the power play, and he was doing just fine. And now he's even with McDavid, which probably is part of the reason why he's climbed all the way up to 75 points in 81 games. Are you going to be drafting Leon Dreisaitl as a 75-point guy next year, or do you think this is unsustainable production? Yeah, there are two big questions about Dreisaitl going into next year. The first and the biggest one is, does he stay with Connor McDavid? The second one is, if he doesn't, that's the worst case scenario, then how much do you downgrade him? Is he still a 70-point guy? Does he fall down to 60, which is still very, very good? And this is what's going to make drafting him tricky next year if you don't have that clarity heading into your draft. I think odds right now might be that he does keep playing with McDavid. It's worked so well. And hey, if they get through a round in the playoffs playing together too, then why break them up going into next season? The biggest shakeup that can happen would happen thanks to Jesse Puljujarvi, Puljujarvi, Pool Party. One of those is correct. Uh, no, none you, of them were correct. Puljujarvi. Puljujarvi, uh, who you figure is like the organization is hoping that he can take a, t- a role in the top six next year, which could necessitate Dreisaitl moving a center, which moves him away from McDavid. But then that leaves Nugent Hopkins out of the top six picture. And then where does Eberle go? Does Edmonton hold him for next year? There's a lot of like slightly moving pieces to to see where they shift for next year. I think, uh, yeah, I think odds are right now is is that they stay together. But Pugliarvi is the one guy that we need to watch for and see where he slots in heading into training camp. 
Yeah, and we'll also have to discuss over the summer, where do you draft a guy like Pat Maroon, who ended up sticking with McDavid for most of the year, versus like a Jordan Eberle, who Maroon was like more valuable than Eberle through most of the year. And But maybe next year, Eberle gets back with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and how amazing of a line would that be? But do you really take another risk on a guy like Eberle? But we'll save that for the offseason. I'll mention one more guy, Brian, who isn't in the top 10 of league scoring for the whole season, but for good reason, he was injured for a big part of the start of the year. But Jack Eichel ranks eighth in league scoring since January 1st. 45 points in 46 games. We have to give him a shout out. Clearly an elite guy himself. He would have been on pace to be like fourth or fifth in the league if he kept this pace for the whole season. Yeah, he came out as a legit star this year and definitely proving his case that I wanted him to make that he is better than being the Bobby Ryan to Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Uh, The thing is, he was down at 85th in points per 60 minutes on the year, but he did really turn it up uh, from February onwards he was fifth in scoring after the all-star break so Elon that takes about a month away from the the parameters you just set he had 36 points in 33 games from February onwards and everything looked decent in that time too um so like nothing too weird happening a little spike here and there but that's going to happen over the course of two months so uh way to go Jack Eichel he was actually fifth in scoring since the all-star break so uh really excited to see just how high he can go I know we have some point-per-game believers, and, well, he might have converted a few more with his play down the stretch. Okay, so just a quick update here for those of you joining us in the chat room. We've got our Kakupful winners here sitting with us. They probably have a lot of smart things to say, maybe even smarter than us, considering they're winners. And Brian, you and I are both losers, but unfortunately, we can't have eight people on the show right now. It'd be ridiculous, but you guys should probably host your own show. But anyways, the plan is we're going to keep going through some of these leaders. We're waiting for Steve Laidlaw to join us. He's driving home right now, so we hope he'll get here soon. He's got a great article he wrote that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to have our live playoff pool draft with a couple winners but we'll just keep going talking through some of these leaders until steve arrives okay next we've got the leaders in goals this surprised me Sidney crosby is gonna win the rocket richard trophy he has 44 goals in 75 games pittsburgh plays today i think i'm not sure if they finished yet but anyways next place is kucherov with 40 so i think tampa bay's game is over either way kucherov's not scoring four today so amazing right crosby in only 75 games He gets 44 goals. The most impressive thing is if you rank by shots on goal, Crosby is all the way down. He's not even on the top 20. Like, I'm just going here on fan tracks. Oh, no, he's 14. What am I talking about? But still, 14th in overall shots, but top in goals. That means he had a high shooting percentage, which usually means unsustainable production, right? If he's scoring on so many of his shots, usually that's not something that players can keep going over, you know, multiple seasons. But at the at the same time, it's Sidney Crosby. Do you see him as a 40-plus goal scorer going into next year? Or was this just like a random thing that's not going to happen again? I don't know. Now that he's got two incredibly talented or upside to be incredibly talented rookies next to him instead of like, I don't know, not to say anything. I always turn into like Sidney Crosby talk into like some sort of uh, assault on the character or the talent of Kunitz and Dupuy. But it's a, like that line was just destructive at even strength in a good way. They were the destructors. Uh, 40 goals, though, is not what we expect to see from Sidney Crosby. So no, I'm not going to bank on that happening again next year. But I still expect big production. As we talked about in our offseason series uh, this past summer, I still see another good, well, now we're down another year. But I still see another good two, maybe three years of elite production left from him. Okay, and then if we look at the next leading scores, we've got a couple other 
40 goal scorers that we can say maybe new both of these guys are new 40 goal scorers Nikita Kucherov has 40 goals on the year in only 74 games that's more like a 45 44 goal pace then Austin Matthews yesterday hit 40 goals he became only the fifth first round draft pick in NHL history to record at least 40 goals in his rookie season. This is what I read on Roto World. I don't know why they didn't just say of all rookies, not only first round draft pick rookies. I feel like someone who was drafted in the second round is even more impressive if he scores 40 goals in his rookie year. But anyway, the other players to score 40 goals in their rookie year that were first round draft picks are Alex Ovechkin, Mario Lemieux, Eric Lindros, and Dale Howarchuk. So that's very good company for Austin Matthews. Very impressive. We'll definitely be deciding where to pick him for our playoff pool coming up later. And I guess we've already talked about him a lot on the podcast. I don't know if you have anything more to say about him, but pretty impressive that he hits 40 goals in his rookie year. I'm sure this won't be the first time he does that. Or I mean, I'm sure this won't be the last time he does that. Well, it certainly won't be. the Well, it was the first time. It's in, Anyway, okay. Uh, Austin Matthews, let's just add, like for the feat that he's accomplished, let's add a little more his score historical context to really underline how amazing it is. He's the first rookie to score 40 in a year since Ovechkin uh, in 2005, 2006, so 11 years ago. And Ovi was a year older. He was 20 years old in his rookie season compared to Matthews at 19. Mind you, Ovi's extra year of maturity allowed him to score 12 more goals. That's crazy. And before Ovechkin, 11 years ago, you have to go all the way back to Eric Lindros with 41 and Timu Soleni with, of course, 76 back in 92-93. Matthews is only the 19th rookie in NHL history to make the 40-goal mark, and that goes back all the way about 40 years now to 1977-1978. And going beyond the goals, uh, he's got the fifth most shots on goal of that whole group of players at 19 years old who scored 40 goals or more. A lot of the guys on the list, whatever age they are, have huge shooting percentages from an era of weaker defense and weaker goaltending. Matthews actually has the third lowest shooting percentage of any of them. And the last nugget for you to just let fly around your brain and internalize how great Matthews' season has been, only six rookies have ever scored 40 or more goals at the age of 19 or younger. And those are Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sylvain Turgeon, Dale Howardchuk, and Eric Lindros, which is just a, a nice list to be a part of. So very lucky Leafs fans to be able to cheer for this guy for the next however many years, at least a decade. Yeah, okay, but we better cool it on the Leafs talk. We've got Ryan here in the chat room who, who will leave if we talk too much about the Leafs. So why don't, we, why don't we move on to some other top goal scorers? So Marshawn is next with 39. Tarasenko also had 39 goals. It's very interesting, Brian. We had that question on our Facebook group. I forget who it was. Someone was asking about he had Kucherov, and he was offered Tarasenko and I think a second-round pick for his Kucherov. Tarasenko had 39 goals on the year and 36 assists. Kucherov with 40 goals and 45 assists. So a slightly better season for Kucherov. It's 85 points versus 75 points. But at the same time, Tarasenko had a bit of a cold stretch, but has he really fallen? Like he's just one goal away and then it's just a matter of a few assists. Like, do you see them as like in a different tier at this point? Or do you still see Tarasenko as pretty much close enough to Kucherov that if you could also get a second round pick, you'd rather just have the guy who you're also getting the pick with? Oh, and actually before... Uh, you answer that, Brian. We've got Steve. He made it, which is awesome. Welcome to the show, Steve Laidlaw, writer from Dubber Hockey and a bunch of other places. Hey, how's it, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Sorry, I know you just kind of like click the link and next thing you know, you're right back in there. No time to settle in. If you want to just settle for a second, maybe Brian can answer my question about Tarasenko and then we're very excited to talk to you. <laughs> awesome that you could join us. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so your question was Tarasenko or Kucherov and my answer is that like, I don't know. It depends if you want to bank on Kucherov having even higher upside 
uh, than Tarasenko. Like Tarasenko, you know what you're getting. Seems pretty steady now, dependable for 75 points. And you look at him from last year and compare his numbers to this year. Seems like it could just be automatic 75 points, but you might be limiting yourself. Although we know he had a constant rotation of line mates this year, which I don't think did him any extra favors. Uh, so yeah, do you take the gamble on getting as many or more from Kucherov, who like it doesn't sound like much of a gamble after the season he's had. Uh, he upped his even strength IPP from high end to elite levels. And he did the same thing on the power play where he scored 32 power play points which is a decent improvement even over last year's 25 points, which was still high, um, an uptick in individual shooting percentage and on ice shooting percentage, but reasonable enough to not expect much of a come down. If I'm choosing between these two next year, it's tough. I, I think I'm going to go Kucherov. Keep in mind, Kucherov also had to take on a larger role with Stamkos out of the picture. So you wonder if that subtracts a point here or there from him, but I'm not sure it will. I mean, I think I would take Kucherov as well over Tarasenko if I had to draft for next year. But I think if you could get a second pick and Tarasenko for Kucherov, I like it. I don't know if that Kucherov is like yet like proving himself to be so much better than Tarasenko, but clearly they're both elite. Maybe uh, Steve could uh, chime in. So, okay, Steve Laidlaw we have here. He's the managing editor of Dauber Hockey. We're very lucky to have him for our season finale show. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. You wrote this great article recently on Yahoo Sports. Well, how does it work, by the way? Do you write these articles and some go to Dauber and some go to other places? Uh, basically, I mean, we've got, you know, kind of an agreement set up where, uh, you know, I, I do uh, the articles just right to the to the Puck Daddy editors. And then uh, we've got, you know, the folks at Sportsnet, I send them to them. And then uh, with uh, with the articles that I do for Dauber Hockey, uh, I post those myself. So it's... Uh, yeah, we've got a nice little uh, ar- arrangement where I can work some of the back end stuff uh, on, on the Dauber hockey. So it's it, not everyone's uh, having to do all the legwork for me. Oh, nice. Well, you're definitely very prolific. We always enjoy your daily ramblings. We talk about them on the show. But today, yeah, we wanted to talk about this article you wrote, your fantasy hockey all-stars for this season. So, you know, the typical NHL all-stars, you get a center, right wing, left wing, two defense for line one. Anyways, I I liked it. So maybe before we get into who you chose for your all-star team, can you give us uh, what your criteria was for how to get onto the Steve Laidlaw fantasy hockey all-star team for the 2016-17 season? Yeah, I mean, basically, I just wanted to uh, to give some love, uh, some extra love to uh, to the players that I've been talking about all year long. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it's fantasy hockey, so we're talking about points, but you don't want to just run down uh, the list of the top scores at each position because that's no fun. Um, I mean, obviously, we're looking at each position, so position eligibility will matter. You know, uh, folks who have multi-positional eligibility, I slotted them in wherever they uh, they fit best to, to make the most fun roster and then i was really looking at uh, draft position um or if guys went undrafted um in lots of leagues uh, that was extremely important because uh, getting value at your drafts um is is number one for me um and then yeah just you know who are my favorite players to talk about this year okay cool yeah definitely if you could get someone not even in your draft as a free agent and they end up being one of your all-stars. That means you really killed it. We've been having a lot of discussions on our Facebook group about who's been the best free agent pickup of the year. And I think I know who your answer is going to be based on your list here, but I guess we'll get to him soon. But why why don't you give us your top line of fantasy all-stars? 
So the the top line, uh, you know, we're definitely mining the top scores in the league here. So we got Brad Marchand on the left wing, Connor McDavid at center, and Nikita Kucherov on the right wing. Uh, Kucherov, not the number one scoring right wing, but uh, close to it. And, uh, you know, just in terms of draft value, that's why he's up there versus uh, Patrick Kane. Right, yeah, like Kane was probably picked in the top three or five in most pools. I should get that open, the average draft position for all of these players. Do you recall like where Kucherov was? Definitely he's going to be potentially a top 5, 10 guy this year, but I don't recall where he was last year. I believe he was going in and around the uh, the 30th pick, um, so you were getting him second, third round. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so- It's got to be like second round for sure. What What are your odds... Like, how many of these guys do you think are going to be... Can they be on your first line All-Stars next season, especially because Kucherov and Marchand, you're probably not going to be able to draft them as late as you did next year, as you did this year? Yeah, I don't think that uh, I'll be... I'll be putting them on the team unless they lead the league in scoring. I mean, that's basically how you get to stay up on this list. Like you got to outproduce your draft position. So even though McDavid was a top five pick, he still outproduced his position because he by a significant margin. Yeah, that was unbelievable McDavid's season. Where do you draft him in a play? I'm, I'm going to get some tips, but I've got all the people. We're going to be, by the way, Steve, after our interview with you, we're going to be having a live playoff draft and all the people here in the room are the people who are going to be drafting with us. i got to ask you, like, do you think McDavid could take the Oilers deep into the playoffs? Like, It seems to me like this guy's is good, like, good enough that he could pretty much carry his team through a playoff round or two. Well, it, it's not just going to be him. It's going to have to be him and Talbot. But certainly you get McDavid and Talbot. You get the goaltending and a little bit of scoring and you can go far. And you get the and you get the blocks from Chris Russell, right? Well, yeah, those are big this time of year, I guess. Yeah, he. we were talking about for the last few weeks that Eric Carlson was looking like he might lead the league in blocks, which was just too insane. And thankfully Chris Russell caught up to him because Eric Carlson should not be leading the NHL in blocks, but still obviously a fantasy monster himself. I'm not sure if you had defensemen in your list, but okay. So you had Marshawn, Connor McDavid and Kucherov as your top line. Yeah. Marshawn also great value in terms of pick. Like he was probably picked in closer to like the third or fourth round in most drafts as well. I imagine even later than Kucherov. And then he ends up as a 40 goal scorer. Yeah. Marshawn was the, uh, the 52nd player uh, off the board on Yahoo on, on average. So uh, definitely uh, great value there. Uh, just as an aside uh, with, uh, with Carlson leading the league in block shots, you know, uh, he probably would have led the league in block shots if he hadn't blocked a shot and gotten hurt. So uh, you play, but you, you know, you, uh, you use the sword, you die by the sword, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess Malkin, you could say the same thing about him. He still hasn't come back. I don't even know why he's not even a defenseman. Why was he blocking a shot? Anyways, hopefully he won't be doing that again in the playoffs if he comes back. All right. So why don't we get to your second line? Who do you have there? Uh, so on the second line, I've got uh, Connor Sheary uh, at the left wing slot, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, at center and Leon Dreisaitl on the right wing. Okay, so ah. this this line interests me. I'm going to jump in, Elon, because Nicholas Backstrom had a very good season despite Ovechkin falling off his usual golden point scoring pace. And then you have two guys who everyone's saying, well, they're scoring because they're playing with an elite player. It's no coincidence uh, that Dreisaitl scored as much as he did with McDavid and Connor Sheary was able to do as much as he did with Crosby, although you were able to pick him up later than Dreisaitl in most cases. Between these two guys, Steve, are you counting on both of them to still play with their elite centermen next year? And and the follow-up question is, which one can survive being moved somewhere else in the lineup? Who can, who can sustain their production better without that elite centerman? 
Um, so uh, for the first question, um, do I expect these guys to be playing with uh, with their top line mates uh, next year? Uh, definitely, I expect Shiri to be there. Uh, just the way that Shiri, uh, Crosby, and Gensel have looked down the stretch, it's uh, they're an unreal line. Like this is a, a legit number one line. They're going to be uh, destroying folks for for a long time. And uh, yeah, those those two wingers are, are bargains, and they've got uh, legit offensive talent. Uh, Drysital, uh, no guarantees that he's going to be in that spot uh, in the future. You know, I think that uh, if the Oilers were to were to fall, uh, you know first round and they they didn't feel like they uh they had the the center depth and the depth scoring uh in the playoffs to succeed they might think about moving him back to center um and, and really stick to that for for the next season uh and, and try to have a, a one-two punch that uh, teams can't just load up on and, and devastate but uh in terms of who could uh, sustain uh his scoring uh, better away from their superstar center. Well, I, I would I would be picking Drysaddle. I mean, we still haven't seen him away from an elite point producer. You know, last year he was with Hall, but uh, I think we're seeing a, a, a lot that he's. Uh, you know, this isn't just McDavid who's producing all this scoring. Like you don't you don't quite get to his his scoring levels without having uh, legitimate uh, creativity and talent of your own. Yeah, I have to give absolute props to Dry Settle, who I think grew from even when when he was playing from Taylor Hall. Like I have more faith after watching him this year that he has more raw talent than I was ready to give him credit for. Not based on his prospect reports, which were very shiny and exciting, but just based on what we had seen in the in the early on in in his career when he seemed to be relying on others. Uh, Steve, your third line: Patrick Liney, Mark Shifley, Mikhail Granlin, two thirds from Winnipeg. How exciting for Jets fans. Uh, I'm just wondering, like I'm looking at Shifley versus Backstrom and I'm wondering if you had to read, like what, what was your rationale for having Shifley a little bit behind Backstrom? Because I feel like he was still uh, a bit of a, a hidden a hidden weapon, a hidden gem, like not so hidden, but maybe fourth, fifth round if you're playing well in a clown enough league. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really put too much thought into whether uh, Backstrom or Shifley was going to be on the second or third line. I just kind of went with uh, with that arrangement because it kept uh, Line A and Shifley together, and that was uh, a nice little feng shui since they they had clicked so well together. Uh, nice and poetic over the course of the year, exactly. Um, so hey, Backstrom had more points than Shifley, eighty six versus eighty two. So there you go, clear winner. Exactly. Yeah. It, I mean, he, he lived up to his, his draft position, which, uh, which, I mean, you, you know, you get, uh, you get value out of that, uh, out of guys actually living up to their draft position. So uh, that's, that's certainly part of making, uh, making the fantasy all-star team is, uh, is producing for what people drafted you for. So, so that's why Backstrom gets in there at number two and Shifley's in there at number three. I mean, they're both really good and I don't think people will be sleeping on them quite as much going into next season. Well, with Backstrom, the thing is, do you expect him to do it again? Like, I feel like we say that every year and he keeps doing it, but there is the looming Kuznetsov. And theoretically, I would think if Kuznetsov could bump Backstrom for maybe the top power player from the Ovechkin line, I don't know. Like, there's always that fear with me that maybe now that Kuznetsov is there, maybe Backstrom is at risk of losing some production. He's also 29 years old. Like, uh, but at the same time, he's been doing this year in, year out. I think he led the league again this year in power play points. So he's such a stud. You know, if you could get past the, you know, somewhat meager shots on goal, you, it's hard to find a better centerman than Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah, I would say that uh, Backstrom is, is probably this generation's Joe Thornton. 
Oh, I like that. Even though Joe Thornton's still around. So I wanted to actually ask about Shiri. So do you, he was on like a 70 point pace before he got injured. I don't recall his final numbers, but I, I assume it was around the same considering he seems to be getting points in almost every game. Do you see like Shiri and Gensel as like 60 and 70 point guys all next year? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, they, uh, they're fitting in uh, quite well. I mean, we don't know how, uh, how durable they're going to be, uh, whether or not they can play an 82 game season. We don't know how durable Crosby or uh, Malkin can be. And so the, the, that's going to be a problem that could potentially hinder their offensive production, you know, if those centermen go down or they go down. So there's, there's a lot of risk there. And I mean, who knows, um, you know, sophomore slump for Gensel, something like that, or, you know, uh, Shiri doesn't quite uh, shoot as quite as high of a percentage, you know, little things like that could, could hinder them, but I would definitely be picking them to, to score 60 points next season. Wow, and then that can't be good news for Patrick Hornfist, who I would have thought was a lock to play with Crosby going into this year. Hopefully he can get on the Malkin line, and hopefully he could stick with his top power play spot, because Shiri's been there recently with Malkin out, and he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if Hornfist was traded this summer. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay, well, that'll give us some something fun to talk about. But yeah, wow. it seems like he... You know, I was always very excited. Ever since he got to Pittsburgh, he like had such a great start, and then he got injured. And I remember thinking, man, if he could just play a full season with the Penguins, I'll bet you he could do really, really well. Then the following year, which was last year, he had a stretch where he was down on the third line, and that, I don't know. So I feel like he never really got a full shake as like in the top six on Pittsburgh, not getting injured. I guess we won't see it. Too bad. I always thought it was really good back when he was on Nashville. Anyways, Brian, you wanted to jump to line four. Well, yeah, but now now I'm hooked on this Hornqvist uh, being traded scenario. Because, like, when I watch him, he's really good. Like, even though his production, certainly, like, it, it hasn't shown up on the score sheet. But, he, like, other teams hate him so much. And I feel like that is, you know, like, he's a hate, he's a hating, a hated guy who, like, draws a lot of attention. I'm actually, while I'm talking, trying to pull up his penalty penalties drawn numbers to see if that's quantified if he's actually earning the team more power plays by irritating the other team and he's one that can score he's like what everyone thought Steve always was but actually is as a really talented pest um so I like I feel like he's still that why do you think it's a salary issue or do you think yeah, it's definitely a salary issue, and I think he's. Uh, I think he's only got the one year left on his deal. I just think that you know teams are moving towards the the Chicago model. You can only pay so many guys, and it would be better to move him now. Uh, now that he's kind of been shuffled down to the third line uh, role, and uh, start moving towards faster skilled guys. I mean, certainly you need guys like Hornfist who who can do the the dirty work. He's a, he's an awesome net front uh, presence guy. You know, he's a, he's a bull in the corners. But uh, I don't think that you necessarily want to be paying guys like that $4 million a year. And then who knows what he's going to ask for uh, come free agency. And, you know, they've just got lots of decisions that they've got to make this summer uh, in terms of keeping their core together. So, uh, you know, you just kind of you hear these rumors out there and you don't know whether they're true or not. But uh, I've heard that one and uh, we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Oh, sorry, Elon, why don't you go? And then I'm going to... We'll get to line four in a second. I got to just jump in with some breaking news for you guys. I don't know if you're up to speed here. Columbus, Cam Atkinson just scored a shorthanded goal with less than a minute to go. Oh, wait, that was in the second period. Anyways, the game's over. Columbus (laughs) beat Toronto. And so Toronto's going to be playing Washington in the first round. So are we pretty confident that Toronto's not getting out of the first round this season? Yeah, sorry, Toronto. Yeah, that, that's too bad. And I was really like, I thought in Ottawa-Toronto season would have been really interesting, a very evenly matched series. 
And uh, now all those Leafs fans who jumped the gun and bought tickets to Ottawa's first two playoff games are probably really bummed about it. Although I'm sure they'll have no trouble reselling them. Uh, and just to, to finish the Hornquist talk, he had the second best penalty differential uh, for Pittsburgh this year with a plus nine behind only Scott Wilson, who had some real value there. He drew nine, a team high, 19 penalties for the Pens. And we don't know him as someone who gets uh, like the most ice time either. So some real value there in Scott Wilson. This is a stat sure. I really wish would be counted in fantasy leagues. Like I, it, it's, it's such a great one to incorporate. Don't get me started. Do okay. not wind me up. I will, <laughs> I will rant for the next hour. I'd um, love to hear this rant. Are you pro or con penalty differential? I am so pro penalty okay. differential that I will like randomly get angry about it and start <laughs> tweeting fantasy hockey providers that they need to start including it as a statistic and then angrily tweeting people who respond who don't think that it's good. It's a it's it's my one it's my number one pet peeve and I get way too fired up about something that at the end of the day doesn't affect anyone's life <laughs> well, okay, it, well now- it affects ours like i would prefer it more than blocks maybe and hits like it's a, such a great way to quantify someone's value to the team that like that doesn't also like mean they're really sucking at something like you know blocks and hits guys are usually like can often be one dimensional who are just playing away from the puck like the other team has the puck the whole time so, Steve, since you're already wound up, do you have a fantasy stat that you wish wasn't included in all of the platforms? Like, if we could not do shorthanded points in head-to-head leagues, that I think everyone would uh, benefit from that because it's ludicrous to you know, use such a rare occurrence as a, a determining factor in a seven-day span. So how do you feel about shutouts then? Is that is that a little more like earnable, more more worthy of getting those points? Because that's also a really rare occurrence. Yeah, I'm not big on shutouts either. Okay. Okay. We so actually, we, I like how event we did categories it. are not your favorite thing. <laughs> well, actually, I like how we did it in the couple with fan tracks. They have the option to use this goalie points three. So it's basically two points. It was like the whole category is counted as the guy who wins the categories. The points are counted as two points for a goalie win. And then you get an extra point for a shutout. And then it's at the end of the week who has the most like goalie points. So that way shutouts isn't its own category, which is random, but it does still like help you. I don't know. I kind of liked that. So we could give it some extra value, but not make it its own category. Me too. I, I like that a lot. Good job, Fantrax. <laughs> All right. They, they, keep doing, they keep doing good work. They do. They do, including hosting the Dauber articles and our ultimate patron, Fantrax. <laughs> they, they do. We're, we're, we're very uh, intertwined. Yeah, they're good, except they don't have penalty differential. What the heck? I feel like if we emailed them, they would add it. That's how great. That's okay. how highly I think of Fantrax and responsive they are. Okay. Uh, well, don't everyone's tweet them one- because that doesn't work. <laughs> we actually well maybe we'll tell the story of our interactions with tim elon another time okay uh let's okay. move on with these all-stars <laughs> okay so we're on to our fourth line uh we've got uh austin matthews david pasternak and victor arvidson and i'm i'm really i'm really glad victor arvidson made your list he's the like i'm usually really slow to add guys who just like haven't proven themselves yet and i'm like oh, i'll wait to see more but then they're all gone by the time I ever take a shot. Uh, he's the one guy in like the last two years, maybe that I've really been able to jump on in all my leagues and his shots on goal were a big part of that for me. And Austin Matthews, I know some people dropped him 
earlier on in the season in like some shallower leagues. Uh, but of course, he ends up here in your fantasy all-stars. And Pasternak began the season with that torrid goal-scoring pace, cooled off sort of uh, towards the end. Uh, obviously, he was shooting at an unsustainable rate. But uh, these three guys, all solid. I think we agree that Austin Matthews goes first of the bunch next year. Who do you take first between Arvidsson and Pasternak? A Pasternak, and it's not even really close. But yeah. uh, Arvidsson is still my favorite player. I mean, we all get attached to uh, to the prospects who who we draft and we hang on to, and we wait for years uh, to to watch them bear fruit. And of course, uh, you know he was a he was a fifth round flyer for me uh, in a salary cap keeper league, and uh, just just watching him grow uh, over over the years has been uh, amazing. I never never thought he would end up being you know, the top scorer on Nashville's first line with uh, some of the talent that they have, but uh, he did it. And, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal player. He's, he's a joy to watch. And uh, yeah, so, but certainly I would take Pasternak above him. Um, Just, just a more dynamic offensive player, but uh, you know, they're both awesome. They're both fantasy all-stars draft them next year, please. And then uh, Elon, did you want to, do you have any other queries about the, the top 12 there? Okay, well, I guess I'm just curious. Now that we're done all of our, uh, you know, top three lines, that's going to be it for the forwards. Are there any people that you really wanted to squeeze in there and you just couldn't? But if you had to name one honorable mention, you know, this is who it would be? Uh, Probably Ricard Raquel. Um, You know, he probably should have gotten in there. Uh, Maybe Jonathan March. So, I mean, there, there were a bunch of honorable mentions. But at the end of the day, I made sure that I got the guys that I wanted in there. I, I ran some Twitter polls and people really wanted Max Pacioretty uh, in there. And I just uh, I just couldn't justify it. So I made sure that I got uh, I got Shiri and Arvidsson in there as left wings. So, yeah, I got all the guys that I wanted in there. But uh, certainly March so and Raquel both had uh, brilliant seasons for for fantasy owners. I yeah, don't. I, I don't. A very polarizing figure all season on this show. And Ricard Raquel, how's, how's he done in the last ten games? Like I've I've lost track since since my pools that involved him ended. Uh, I don't think he's been as good as Patrick Eves, who's been a, a playoffs MVP for a lot of people. Thirty goal scorer Patrick Eves and thirty Ra- goal scorer Ricard Raquel. Yeah, Raquel got a goal and assist against Chicago a couple games ago, but before that, he actually went one, two, three, four, five games without a point. So maybe that's why he didn't make it onto Steve's list. All right. And then uh, let's move on to the, the defensive pairs. And interestingly omitted from the top pair is this year's point leading defenseman. Do I have that right? I feel no. like, no, no. Victor Hedman scored. Oh no. Victor Hedman got ahead of Carlson tonight, but he did not get ahead of Brent Burns and Carlson and Burns are your top pairing on defense. Was it even close? Uh, not really. I mean, the, the, the scoring race wasn't, uh, wasn't as close as it ended up being, um, in, in the past week with, uh, with Carlson getting hurt and Hedman having a, a fantastic run, uh, with, with four games th- this past week. Um, you know, the, Carlson was uh, was looming as a threat to to Burns taking home the score uh, defensive scoring title uh, when when I wrote this about a week and a half ago. So um, at the time, those two were you know by far the the, the top two dogs um, 
for uh, defensemen in fantasy hockey leagues. Uh, you know, they were drafted, you know, right near the end of the first round, top of the second round, and they lived up to it. They were fantastic for fantasy owners. Uh, well worth the value of, uh, of taking them high. I always advocate for taking defensemen high, um, and I'll do it again. I'll be drafting Carlson Burns high again next year. So who would you take first between Burns and Carlson next year, assuming, let's say, hits and blocks are both counted? Oh, and well, shots. Uh, with, I guess with shots, you have to go Burns, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that he would uh, be able to sustain uh, the absurd pace that he, he put up last year, but he, he pretty much reproduced it. So, I mean, kudos to him for, uh, for just being able to get that many pucks on net. I mean, it's, uh, his arms must be tired. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually more interested. Carlson and Burns, of course. Yeah. We all knew going into the year, they were going to be the top two. It's very surprising actually that Hedman passed Carlson in points. Obviously he had a couple extra games to do it. Uh, So what's your next pairing? And I'd be curious to know who you would take third of defenseman next year in fantasy, because I think that could be a heavily debated question. So yeah, the second pairing is uh, is indeed Hedman and Dougie Hamilton. So I mean, Hedman looks like the guy you would probably want to take third uh, in a fantasy league, uh, just with how uh, well he did on the top power play unit under Todd Richards. I mean, Tampa Bay's power play has sucked for years, so they brought in Todd Richards. They ended up with uh, with a top ranking power play, and they finally stopped messing about with uh, Anton Strawman on the top uh, on the top power play unit. They've got Hedman up there and. Uh, he broke out in a huge way. I mean, you know, he more than doubled his uh, his career high for power play points from 14 to I don't even know what he's at. But when I wrote it, it was 32. So, I mean, he's he's blown uh, he's blown his totals out of the water this year. Yeah. What a season he's had. And we actually had a really good point from from Lewis, one of our patrons who mentioned that maybe part of the success was because Stamkos was out. And so Hedman fed Kucherov the way that Strawman was supposed to feed Stamkos. And we saw Strawman's power play time go down this year, and he did so little with it. Do you think a healthy Stamkos leads to more time with Strawman? Or after they've seen this much from Hedman, they have no choice but to keep running with it? I think they'll have to uh, to run with Hedman. I mean, handedness is a is a big issue. Um, you want to have that right guy. Uh, if you're running everything uh, to a right-handed shot on the left side, then you kind of want to have a right-handed point man. But it's not necessary. We've seen in Columbus, uh, they've got Wierenski manning the point, and they've got uh, they've got Atkinson in the same spot uh, as Stamkos rides on the at the top of the left circle. So it's it's not mandatory and certainly if you've got someone as good as headman you you don't mess about with with half measures like strawman just over a handedness issue i agree it's driven me and and you and who whatever poolie's crazy that headman just has not been elevated to number one quarterback status although it should, it's worth pointing out like columbus uh, has not really done very well on the power play down the stretch they had that magic at the start of the year and they have mostly struggled since by the way, it's really great. Obviously, Hedman showed that he can be a top power play defenseman, considering he leads all defensemen in special teams points with 33. So that's amazing. Okay, and then you have Dougie Hamilton also on that second pairing, obviously above a lot of guys. So I think, I don't know, I think that could be even a more contentious pick because that means he's ahead of guys like Dustin Bufflin and I guess Shattenkirk and Roman Yosey. Like, why did you put Hamilton there? I put Hamilton there because he he just does a little bit of everything. Um, he you know he's consistently delivering a, a high floor for you know he's getting into that two hundred shot range. He's putting up uh, around fifty points. I mean, uh, I'm a huge believer 
in shot volume for defensemen. And certainly there are other defensemen, uh, like you mentioned, Bufflin, who deliver the shot volume, but they don't come in as late in drafts as Hamilton continues to be drafted. I mean, this is a guy you could get somewhere around, you know, the 10th round. Um, yeah, amazing value. Exactly. And so that's that's why he ranked so high versus some of the other guys who had seasons that were just as good, if not better. You know, lots of people would probably like to see Shea Weber up there, but Shea Weber delivered for where you drafted him, whereas Hamilton outperformed that. I mean, he, he gave you uh, very similar value to what you got out of Shea Weber, but he did it from five rounds later. Well, yeah, I mean, Shea Weber had such an amazing start to the season, and it looked like he might run away with being one of the most valuable defensemen in fantasy, but he really slowed down, ends up with 42 points, which is good for a defenseman, and obviously great that he also gets those hits and blocks, but nothing worthy of being on Steve Laidlaw's fantasy all-stars, especially considering, like you say, how high he was probably drafted compared to a guy like Dougie Hamilton. He's Hamilton, I guess, is kind of like the Connor Sheary getting on your second line because of all that value you got from where you drafted him, or for Sheary, you probably picked him up in free agency. So, okay, who do you have? For your third line of defensemen. Uh, yes, this is the third pairing. Um, and this is uh, the two guys who were ranked or who were on the highest percentage of first place teams uh, in Yahoo's database. Uh, Wierenski and uh, Justin Schultz. Uh, both of these guys were going undrafted and they wound up delivering uh, a huge number of points. Um, they ended up being like top 10 type defenseman scorers uh, for, for their teams. And, they weren't even drafted. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially a guy like Justin Schultz, who I feel like even when Latang got injured and Schultz got on the top power play, it was, well, Schultz went on a good run starting before that. And I remember Brian, I was bugging him, but the thing is I always do this on the podcast whenever anyone is on a good run. So I can't like fault Brian for this, but like, you know, Schultz was doing so well, but then I was like, well, yeah, but he's not on the top power play. What can you really expect? He won't yeah. be able to keep it up. And then Latang got injured and then it was like, okay, go and grab Latang. But it was probably too late for a lot of people. And then Schultz just kept going all the way through. And now with Latang injured, he's the de facto top power play guy, huge value. And he really delivered for most of the year. But I like what I'm uh, sorry, Steve, I'll, I'll butt in. I like what you said, though, in, in your article, you said, you know, he has not been great. And I know as someone who needed big production from him in a league where I lost in the playoffs, he did nothing for me over the last couple of weeks. He was not at all Latang like, which is a, a tall task, even for someone who's supposed to have some offensive upside. But like, I just uh, didn't get the dependability. Like, I'm not having warm feelings about him going into my draft next season. No, and I don't think that you should. I mean, uh, anyone who thinks that he's uh, he's a Latang replacement is going to be uh, sorely disappointed. Um, he just doesn't run the power play uh, as well. And, you know, uh, I think that Malkin being missing uh, certainly hurt Schultz because Malkin really, really helps out run, running things from the half wall. And then you don't rely on as much from from your point man. Um, so with, uh, with Malkin out and... Uh, Schultz there on the point. The uh, the Penguins power play hasn't been that lethal over the last month or so. So uh, I think that that's part of the reason why he, he struggled down the stretch. But certainly, I mean, Latang's going to be back next year. The guy can't stay healthy. I mean, that's we, we know that. But you, you also can't expect that uh, that Schultz is going to put up the same kind of numbers that he did. Um, you know, just riding riding some huge shooting percentage waves and a, a nice little rush of of hot play. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't be drafting him for more than forty points. Yeah, I think I think that's reasonable. My big question to you then is, where would you draft a Chris Letang for next year? Could be one of the top <laughs> offensive defensemen in fantasy, but do you take the risk, and where do you do it? 
So I was drafting, uh, you know, Latang in the second round this year. I'll probably push his his draft status uh, down to the third round. Maybe maybe just uh, just around the, the the you know the number the number fifty pick mark is probably where I'll be looking at uh, for him. We'll see, you know, how how the off season goes and how training camp looks. If he's uh, if he's looking like uh, worse for wear or not. Um, but yeah, I, I'm becoming more and more gun shy with uh, with Latang. I mean, I went into the year thinking, well, I mean, you know, he's going to miss games, but if he's healthy for the playoffs, then you got a guy yeah. who's as good as Burns and as good as Carlson. But you got him a couple of rounds later, and well, obviously he wasn't healthy for the playoffs, so uh, swing and a miss. But uh, I'll still be willing to take the chance, just maybe a round later. Yeah, I think Latang and Malkin, a lot of people were drafting those guys for those exact reasons. They were both great when they played, but weren't there when you needed them. At least they weren't like Ben and Sagan, who both, you know, were healthy, but weren't producing and also taking a roster spot for you. Uh, can I throw out an honorable mention for valuable fantasy defensemen that I don't think you considered, but I think should maybe be there? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> uh, Here's a guy, if your league counts hits, gotta mention Mark Borowitzki. I'm sorry, like I know Brian's probably rolling his eyes right now. I'm but... not. He He's the reason I beat you in the, uh. the league I was against you, which I wonder, I imagine you're bringing up, he's usually, well, I'll let you, I'll let you make the case for him. I mean, the case is simple. He has like 80 more blo- hits. He has 80 more hits than the next guy on the list, Luke Shen, and that's in eight fewer games. He was the kind of guy you could have on your team, and then you don't even need to worry about other hits, guys. Like You know, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I should hang on to Brandon Dubinsky, even though Turris is available, but maybe I'll keep Dubinsky because, you know, he's better for hits. You don't even need to do that if you have Borowitzki as one of your defensemen. I was helping a friend of mine in her league this year. She had no business being in the finals. She, like, literally wasn't paying attention, but I decided to help take over her team once I got eliminated I had nothing else to do and my first order of business was to pick up Borowitzki and she was like losing by a bunch of hits and now now she's winning it's all because of him what a hero if you count hits otherwise it's useless what's your yeah. takes oh sorry Steve you go ahead but maybe in your answer can you add what's your I'm still conflicted I was in my first my first hits league ever this year and I'm still not sure how I feel about them uh you know, hits are fine. They're they're a better option than penalty minutes, probably. Um, yeah. Just because penalties are literally a, a negative act, whereas uh, the hits are at least uh, they're consistent and trackable. I mean, they occur in such high volume that you can at least it, it's a category where it's like, oh, this person knows how to play games because they figured out that this is something that frequently happens uh, with this specific player. So they can rely on getting hits from a, a specific guy. And certainly with Borowieski, uh, he took over the, uh, the hit, uh, the hit crown from Matt Martin, which is uh, slightly disappointing for all the Matt Martin fans out there. But uh, yeah, we got a new hits King and uh, he plays defense, which uh, makes him that much more valuable. I was going to say, I prefer the hit king to be a defenseman in like, especially if you're in a deep league where you have five or six spots, you're going to get so little from that fifth or sixth spot anyway. So plugging him in is more value than uh, like, if you're in a 12 team league, it's better than like the 62nd best defenseman. Yeah, definitely. Like, it'll be interesting to see now for people in these types of leagues, would you want like a Borowiecki or a Radko Gudas? Borowiecki gets a few more hits. Gudas gets, I guess, a few more blocks and maybe some more shots. Well, actually, like definitely some more shots. Anyways, enough of talking about these scrubs who are helping in the peripherals of fantasy. Steve, you've also got some goalies for us, right? 
Uh, yeah, so I picked uh, two starting goaltenders uh, to make the the All Star team, and then uh, a backup goaltender. So uh, for for the starting goaltenders, we've got Sergei Bobrovsky and, and Braden Holtby. You know, no real surprises there. They were the best two goalies this year, um, but you know, certainly we have to talk about how Bobrovsky, year after year after year after year after year is the best goalie to own in head-to-head leagues because he always cranks it up in March and April. His numbers are absurd for those months uh, throughout his career. Uh, he he topples leagues on their head every single year, and you were able to get him as like the 23rd goalie off the board. Yeah, especially after like last year was the exception where he struggled towards the end, but of course he was injured. I think it was on and off towards the end of the season, and and usually... Like the caveat, if you take him, is like, okay, you can grab him, but you better have somebody else to shore up your numbers through the first couple months of the season. But this year, he was all business from the start. Like he did have a bit of a lull in the middle of the season, but he started as hot as he finished. And like, I know he put my fantasy teams to bed. Uh, like my opponents had him in both leagues that I lost in. And, uh, and that, that, spelled, that spelled the end of my teams there. Uh, and the interesting thing also is like, I, I like it when it all lines up nicely. Uh, Bobrovsky and Holtby are two of the top three, even strength save percentage goaltenders. So it's not like they might've fluked their way to their great numbers with like crazy penalty kill save percentages. Uh, Carey Price was the other one. He was second behind Bobrovsky and ahead of Holtby. Does Cam Talbot deserve some mention as someone who led the league in saves? If your league counts saves and wins, he ended up, I think, tied for first in wins. Huge value there. I'm sure you got him a lot later in your draft than Holtby. I guess maybe around the same place as Bobrovsky. Yeah, so Talbot uh, Talbot was going higher than uh, Bobrovsky, and he he certainly delivered tremendous value for folks. That's why he was one of the one of the honorable mentions. I mean, I I just there's no way I could uh, put him above Braden Holtby. You know, again, I, I gave a lot of credence to guys who you know were first round picks and ended up delivering first round value, and that's exactly what Holtby did. I mean, it was you were either taking Holtby or Price. Uh, as the first goalie off the board. And if you went Holtby, you got what you asked for. You got a number one goalie and he delivered right up until the end of the year. Yeah, he was amazing. I guess another guy that we would have thought would have been a no-brainer to be there until just like the last month was Devin Dubnik. And then he kind of fell off and had a horrible month. How surprised were you about the Dubnik fall? And like, do you think he'll be, like which Dubnik do you expect for next year when you're drafting? Like, would you have Dubnik or Bobrovsky? Like, who do you even take first? Because I think Dubnik was the clear choice for a lot of this season. Well, I think that goalie value is so connected to team value that we'll have to wait and see what kind of off seasons these teams have. Um, both of them have, I don't know, reasonably bright futures. I mean, they've they both got some some young talent, maybe not superstar talent, but both uh, both teams definitely have a, a lot of young talent. I, I don't know. I think Dubnik's a nine nineteen save percentage guy. He's slightly above average, and he was going nine thirty two for just about the whole year, and then uh, come the end of the season, he imploded. And I mean, I just happened to trade for him right before he imploded. I knew that he would probably regress. Figured he'd regress to. 919. Instead, he went down below 900 and uh, ruined a lot of fantasy seasons for folks. Thankfully, I ended up uh, making it to the finals with him uh, in spite of that, and hopefully I'll lock up the win tonight. But uh, we'll wait and see. Anyways, Dubnik's probably making his way off my roster this summer. Mm. Okay, and then, all right, so then you have one backup goalie to round out your all-star team? 
Yes. So uh, for the backup goalie, I took uh, Peter Budai, um, who basically was Jonathan Quick without having to draft Jonathan Quick. Um, He did it for, you know, four months up until the trade deadline. And he kept a lot of fantasy teams afloat until that point. Some folks were even able to trade Budai to the Jonathan Quick owner and got a really righteous haul for it. So, I mean, in terms of a goalie that you were able to scoop off the waiver wire, I mean, who was better than Budai? Yeah, fantastic value from him all year long. And a lot of people, like, we were cool to him, but we also, like, that, you know, he outplayed Jeff Zatkoff. My question now is, has he earned himself another year in the NHL? Like, he, he really stumbled down the end, like we were talking about, as his numbers were starting to plummet. And, yeah, so he was starting to to falter and not even be league average goalie. He finished the year an 890 goalie in his last 15 appearances and that includes like seven with the kings and seven with the lightning so it's not just that he changed teams uh steve what do you think does he like i i don't think he's on anyone's draft board next year is he no and i don't think that he should be i mean he's he's a backup goalie and certainly uh budai the fantasy asset is different than budai the 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 real life goalie i mean he's 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 an okay goalie, um, but that Kings system is awesome. And if you you know if you do the right things, you'll be a really good goalie in that system. I mean, there's a reason that there a lot of uh, fancy stats folks uh, don't think that Jonathan Quick is that good of a goalie. I mean, whether you believe that or not, uh, you certainly have to lend some credence to the fact that the Kings system is awesome and, and helped Budai out. And I mean, at the end of the year, he ran out of steam. He's not a starting goalie. No one's going to be treating him as a starting goalie. Uh, he earned another look, but probably as a backup somewhere. If he wants it, I mean, who knows if he even wants to stay in the NHL after getting uh, getting punted off a team that he carried for four months. Yeah, and then they didn't make the playoffs, which makes it, you know, he'll be able to, you know, pull a Phil Kessel. I really liked it when Team USA lost in the World Cup. Then he was like, I feel like I should be somewhere right now. I wonder if Budai could have made a snarky tweet like that. But I guess he decided to take the higher road. Uh, yeah, so this was awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show and, and presenting your list. I would love, it would be amazing if we could have you back sometime, you know, when we have like more time to really dig in to some of these things. But uh, yeah, anything uh, you want to promote? I guess people should definitely be following you on Twitter. Is it at Steve Laidlaw? Uh, that's the uh, handle. Yeah, so definitely, I definitely recommend people check them out. And also, if you just check out Dauber Hockey pretty much every day for the daily ramblings, you'll be able to see Steve's writings. Thanks again. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, keep up with the podcast. Podcasts of the future. You guys are getting the information that people want um, when they want it. So uh, keep it up, guys, and uh, we'll, we'll chat again uh, another time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Okay. So Steve that was Laidlaw, at Steve Laidlaw, in case you missed it. Managing editor at Dauber Hockey. Podcasts are the future. The future is now. <laughs> well, let's look into the future, the NHL playoffs. But actually, before we do that, so like I said at the start of the show, we've got, by Steve, thanks. So we've got our elite list of cupful winners. There's 11 overall cupful winners. We've got six of them here. One, two, three, four, five, six. I see them all. You're all here. That's amazing. Thanks so much for being able to join us. We're going to be having our playoff pool. Before we get to it, Jeff, if you could unmute yourself, we need to take a second because we have our first ever Cupful Ultimate Champion. This was the second year of the Cupful, which means last year, all the teams, all the people competed just to make it to the top tier. And then now we have our first winner of the top tier. The funny thing is, Jeff, 
you actually didn't make it to the finals in the first year. So you didn't you didn't really like officially get into the top tier until you won the draw to take my spot. How, first of all, just tell us about this wild ride you've been on over the last couple of years. How does it feel to be the first ever Ultimate Cupful champion? Um, it's pretty good. Um, playing against or going against Ian uh, Brian last year in the semis took a tough loss. Um, yeah, and, I thought I thought it was rid of you, and then you came back and you knocked me out of the the Sweden the Tier One Division playoffs. You got your revenge. Yeah, I got real. Yeah, I guess I got pretty lucky. Uh, I was. I guess uh, setting my sights on Dave in tier two to start, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah. won the draw. Well, yeah. lucky like, Dave would say, "Lucky you for avoiding yeah. him." Yeah. And <laughs> and who? What was? Did you have like so going into an auction draft? A lot of us were doing this for the first or second time, and like hadn't done it with such an intense group of people. Did you have a strategy going into it? Or like like, do you know how you're getting? Are you willing to share your auction draft secrets or strategies? Uh, that you've learned from this season that you're going to try and take with you next year in, into next year? Um, I guess I can uh, share a couple. Um, this is honestly my first auction draft. So I was doing a little bit of research, just seeing strategies I can do. I tried to format it. So I was picking kind of like a snake. I didn't want to get too many high guys, get too many low guys. Um, just wanted to shore up on the uh, the D and the goalies and rest is history i guess yeah it seems like it definitely worked uh, for you so you didn't go studs and duds you went with just a balanced roster any like mvp for your team or like a a certain move you made during the year that you think really like pushed you forward to the victory i guess uh drafting bobo and uh brent burns helped a lot Um, uh yeah i tried to get a lot of guys with uh shots so i got got kadri and i ended up getting lucky picking up arvidsson uh i got granland off the wire too so that's awesome. Just some so, lucky yeah, you, grabs. <clears throat> you had you had no coincidence that you owned several of the fantasy all stars that we just discussed. Yeah. So let's see, let's see if you can carry that championship. So congratulations to Jeff and the Chiefs for coming into tier one, and everyone's like, this guy doesn't belong. And then he beat everybody who did not get in via lottery. So uh, so he gets to stay there. He has to defend his title next year. And Elon, what do you say we, we put him to his first test as champion, ultimate cupful champion, is defending his crown in a playoff pool? Yeah, okay. So let's try. Okay, we're trying something new here. So bear with us if you're with us live, if you're listening in the chat room. We've got Dave somehow keeps on popping in and out. Hopefully he'll be able to make it. Why don't we really quickly just introduce the participants in the pools? Like we said, we have Jeff, the tier one champion. Maybe also let's make just a, a policy here. How about... Whenever you're not talking, if you could just mute yourself just to make sure that there won't be any, you know, extra noise coming. We'll, we'll try that. And then also I'm thinking during the draft, if you could just unmute yourself before your pick and then you could like go and give your little ramble about why you're picking your guy or do what you want. And then, you know, mute yourself again. We'll see how this goes. Anyways. Okay. Quick introductions. So we've got Dave, host of Stream Scheme, winner of tier two. He's going to be going to tier one. Welcome to the draft, Dave. All right. So we've got definitely a tough challenge here. Dave obviously beat me. He, if he would have played me in the couple, okay, then Elon, he wouldn't have gone past. Okay, I'm I know. Sorry, we got to interrupt you. So we, we also have Cam. Cam is in the house. We've got Dustin, uh, the young bee leader. Maybe one of our Swedish listeners can actually tell us how to pronounce that division. Cam won Binghamton. Uh, we've got another Brian proving that Brian's are a very successful fantasy hockey name, rivaled only by Jeff. We had two Jeffs who won their division this year. Uh, Brian from Vetlanda. Jeff, of course, the ultimate champion over in Sweden, Tier 1. Elon, a Tier 2 loser. And Mathieu, who won for Lunda. So we've got six of us. We're each going to make 
eight picks or do we have eight of us and we're each going to make six picks? I think it's that way. So Brian, you interrupted me while I was introducing (laughs) and then you said it wrong. So there's eight of us here. We're each going to make six picks for this draft. We've already got the order set. It's just going to be a straight up goals and assists. So just regular points. Whoever has the most points at the end of the playoffs wins. You guys all know the drill. First overall is the winner of Tier 3 Binghamton. So someone who's going to be jumping to Tier 1 next year to play with Jeff and Dave. So Cam, who do you got? Uh, I'm going with Patrick Kane, Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, the West West does look like it could be Chicago. Like, it looks wide open, except for Chicago has a little bit of extra star power and experience. Uh, I definitely was not going to go with Patrick Kane, though. I'm second pick. And I'm taking from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby. I mean, yeah, you can't argue with that pick. One of the top scorers and one on one of the best teams. But Pittsburgh's got a hard road ahead in the playoffs. They're going to play Columbus and then probably Washington in the next round. So it's going to be tough. But obviously, Crosby is a guy you can't leave on the draft board for long. Okay, Brian, why don't you take over hosting while I prep for my next pick? You got it. So next up is Dustin. Dustin, who, who are you going with? Brian, I got to go with the best player on the best team. I'm taking Alexander Ovechkin. Wow. Alexander Ovechkin outscored by TJ Oshie. Not even the best goal scorer on his own team. That's regular but, season. Yeah, I'm, regular that's season. regular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's regular. I don't know. Tough to, tough to also not go with Backstrom if we're talking straight up points. But you are a cuckupful winner, and I am not. So I'm just, I'm just going to, like, this, this is my competition. So my instinct is just to uh, bother people about the picks they've made and make them doubt themselves through the draft. That's how I succeed in life. Uh, so great pick, Dustin, by the way. Uh, Dave, you're up next. All right, Elon, kind of stole my thunder there. I'm going to be going uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Nicholas Backstrom. So we have two capitals gone, which is making, I mean, I, I guess we're betting on Washington over Pittsburgh so far uh, as they are seem destined to meet in the second round, which is just... Uh, a tragedy. Uh, Brian, over from Vetlanda, it, it, it's your pick. Um, I'm going to go with um, Pacioretty from Montreal. Oh, yeah. Max Pacioretty. So, so a lot of, I mean, the East is also seems open, at least on the Atlantic side of things. So Max Pacioretty, one of the league's leading goal scorers this year, goes fifth overall. Jeff, defending champion. Who you got? Uh, let's go with Artemi Panarin. All right, so finally another Chicago pick. It's it's odd that you get the top score from a, a cup favorite team right away, and then uh, a lot of people disagree. If I can't have Kane, I don't want anyone till Jeff snags Panarin. Uh, Elon, you're That's up. my pick. So Chicago's playing Nashville, by the way. I don't know, guys. Like, uh, Nashville's a pretty strong team. I could see them pulling the upset. But I'm very happy, and we'll see how this works out for me. But I'm happy that I could have the Art Ross winner fall to me so late. So I've got to go with... Connor McDavid. So if McDavid and the Oilers even make it to the second round, uh, that's going to pay some great dividends for you. He's going to be scoring at a greater pace than most players who may get past the second round. Uh, so, so nice, nice little snag for okay, you so there. Bri- yes. All right. So now it's Matthew's pick and then we're going to be snaking back. So Matthew, you've got two picks and then it'll be back to me. All right. So uh, give me Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand. All right. So we have, After eight picks, we have six teams represented. Chicago and Washington, the only teams with two players taken. Matthew, I just entered your picks. Sorry. We'll share these picks 
by the way, at the end of the uh, at the end of the thing. Uh, Matthew, we're snaking. I feel like we shouldn't have snaked in a playoff draft, but OK, uh, Matthew, go ahead. Uh, Brian's getting his excuses going early. <laughs> is it just forwards or we can get these? Yeah, Beef. go for defense. But just points. All we right. don't get uh, Borowiecki for his hits. Sorry, Brent Burns. Brent Burns. So, Elon, that's a great odds. Either he's going to get great value out of Burns going two rounds or you're going to get great value out of McDavid going two rounds. Uh, last so- I checked the bracket, I don't think it's changed. San Jose and Edmonton are facing off. Well, they're both Edmonton and Anaheim are both playing today. And if Anaheim loses and Edmonton wins, then that will change. But as of now, if Anaheim could pull out just a point, then yeah, it'll be Edmonton versus San Jose, which will be exciting. Okay, it's my pick. Call me crazy here. I'm going with another Western Conference team. I'm predicting that Minnesota is going to flame out. I like St. Louis's chances. And I'm going to go with Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, I'm trying to remember, like, the, the Blues had that playoff failure last year when everyone was into them, and it made them struggle out of the gate this year as they tried to change things. We'll see if they have uh, solved any of their playoff issues. They will be coming up against a very good goalie in Devin Dubnik. Uh, Jeff, you are on the board with the third pick of the second round. And Brian, I'll take over hosting here so you could start prepping for your next pick, or okay. your next two picks. I'm ready. Uh, Joe Pavelski. Belsky. Okay, so it looks like Jeff and Matthew are in bed together right now with two uh, San Jose Sharks. And Brian. Brian's on the board. Atlanta champion Brian. I'm going to go with um, Getzlaff. Solid okay. pick. Clearly okay. the top guy you want to have on Anaheim. Yeah, it's too bad we don't know. People listening to this will already know. But Anaheim's winning one nothing. Let's assume Anaheim's going to beat LA. That means that they are going to end up playing... Oh, no, I just lost my thing here. Okay, Calgary, Calgary. But, like, I admit on that side of the bracket, I between Anaheim, Calgary, and San Jose, Edmonton, I have no no real leaning in either of those matchups. All right, Dave. Dave, Dave? Oh, Dave's gone. Around, but, he's, but he's entered his pick, and I'm going to say it for him because it should have been mine. I thought he might come back to me. Oh, Dave, you're here. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say Malkin. I put it in the list, but, yeah, yeah. I'll take Malkin. <laughs> he's got Malkin. Lots of fanfare for Malkin. Hopefully he's not blocking too many shots over in the playoffs and hurting your team's chances. Dustin. I got to go with Carlson. All right. Carlson. So, so trusting that the Sens can get past the Bruins, which honestly seems more likely to, to me than the Sens getting past the Leafs because now they'll have actual home ice advantage instead of just home ice advantage in name. Uh, and so we're on the Penguins now. Uh, oh, oh, I we're on your pick, Brian. I just you tip my hand. It's my pick, and uh, Malkin's gone. So I'm gonna go. Oh, oh no! It, was, it threw me off, and I'm chatty Kathy over here. I'm gonna go with Connor Sheary. Okay, I mean, why not, right? Especially if he's with Crosby. No reason why he can't get a similar amount of points. The only thing is, is he going to get bumped from the top power play once Malkin comes back? I don't know. Does Hornquist really, does he earn that spot? Maybe maybe not. All right, Cam, you got two picks. You're new to tier one. Let's see if you deserve it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going Jonathan Tate. All right, yeah, and we're sneaking. So you get another. So and, we have a third Blackhawk. Uh, and uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So we get to cheer for Edmonton together. That'll be fun. So two rounds in the books and uh, plus, it, plus a dry sidle. Okay. So my pick. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to be coy about this. I'm loading up. I'm going with Jake Gensel. 
Okay, so you have Crosby, Shiri, and Gensel. You're going all in on the Penguins. I just don't know about their schedule. I guess I guess we'll see. Okay, Dustin, your call. And I guess, Brian, I'll let you take over the hosting. Because i got to figure out what to do here. What am I doing here with Nick David and Tarasenko? All right. Oh, man. Dustin. A lot of good picks so far. I'm going to go with TJ Oshie. Okay, so after after you picked Ovechkin over Oshie, somehow Oshie still fell to you. So uh, hoping for that regular season scoring magic to carry over. And uh, you and I are definitely, uh, we're, we're going head-to-head here. You've got two caps versus my three pens. One of us will win the pool, I think. Uh, Dave, your, your move. Uh, let's see, is Shattenkirk on the board? He is available and yours now. Congratulations. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I almost forgot he was in the playoffs this year. Good job. So Dave has two caps in a penguin. Uh, Brian. Brian from Betlanda. I By the way, I appreciate how much, like, every time I see Brian on screen, it looks like he's really thinking hard about it. So so who have you, you arrived at with this pick? I'm going to go with Phil Kessel. All right. So I actually, I had not... Uh, Mentioned Kessel's name in trying to be slightly sneaky. I don't know if I should have picked both Shiri and Gensel ahead of him, but now he can't come back to me, which might be a blessing more than a curse. So, Brian, he's he's all yours. Let's hope he can get back on that goal-scoring track. Jeff from Sweden. Uh, Jeff. Who's next off? All right. So the caps are just flying off the board. Elon, I well, you're busy, so I don't know if you can get that, that math done or anyone else in the dock. I think we have the most capitals taken of any team. Elon, it's your pick. It's my pick, eh? Okay, let me go to Montreal. This might be dumb. I don't know. I'm going with Radulov. Okay. Okay. They, they got him for the playoffs. I lo- with Carey Price, I feel like they could go far. I'm seeing Matthew shaking his head, which hopefully means that he's mad that I made that pick, which of course makes me feel good. Yeah, I think that's a, I, like, you were so down on Radulov for a lot of the season. So, uh, interesting. Now you got to ride him. Uh, Mathieu, it's up to you from Frolunda. You have Marchand and Burns. Who's next? Uh, uh, yeah, I was leaning Radulov. Um, you got two picks to come. Uh, give me uh, Arvidsson. Okay, uh, Victor Arvidsson, the first... I thought it was going to be Magnus for a second. Uh, the first Predator off the board. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, Elon, we should have made a rule like there had to be one defenseman. Anyway. Uh, no. Stop questioning my rules. Okay. okay. Part way, try, like, <laughs> I made the rules. These are the rules. So, uh, Mathieu, you're, you are up. Ryan did the same thing, by the way. I made a league (laughs) for us to compete in this year, a new league. I set up all the rules. No complaints until the league starts. Everything's great. All of a sudden, partway through, Elon, we should make this rule. We should make this rule. Like, why is it like this? You just meant that I closed the loophole that you were exploiting. That, that that's your problem think, with it i think that i i wasn't paying attention when you made the rules as i wasn't paying attention when you made the rules for now. this one uh so you have no right you're like someone who doesn't vote in an election and then complains about if your you elected don't vote, official. you can't complain all right so who did matthew take arvidson he took arvidson, arvidson he's got another, another pick uh pavelski he's already taken Sorry. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Oh, he's taken by Jeff. I think uh, um, I think Michael Bodker is still available on the Sharks, though. <laughs> uh, I'll take Austin Matthews. Okay. Uh, like yeah, I, I I have to say, going back to your Marchand pick, I, Elon. I know it's you, but like 
That's okay. Anytime. Don't actually no. You go ahead, Elon. I'll I'll save my comment for later. No, I just said anytime. Oh, come on. You've had so much time. 30 second hard limit. Say your comment. You're down to 15. I'm okay. just gonna count. I wonder how this is gonna be to listen to. Thanks everyone for seeing like if you're tired of this podcasting format by now. Uh, we've posted right. the results. Jaden Schwartz. Wow. Okay. Going with, going with St. Louis here. An underperforming regular season forward who picked it up towards the end. Uh, but you are you're going big on blues. Cool. Next up is uh is Jeff out of um, Sweden. Let's go with my boy Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron. Okay, so now I'm gonna share my comment, which is that like the Sens, you might think like Toronto is scary with Matthews and all the young players, but the Bruins have Marchand and Bergeron. Like Bergeron can shut down anybody in the league. Marchand is an Art Ross contender this year, so they've got a real tough order in front of them. So anyone thinking that, well, I guess no one so far. There has not been. We have Carlson picked, but no Sens forwards picked yet at uh, at this stage, and we are 26 picks in. And the next one is Brian's. I'm gonna go with. Galchenyuk. Okay, so that top line in Montreal, or at least the top three players, top three forwards in Montreal, all gone now. Lots, and no, no, zero New York Rangers taken. There's only them, and uh, I don't know, quick look makes me think there's only one other team without Calgary. a player from it. Calgary? Yeah, and everyone else has is represented. Uh, Dave, you're up. He's typing. The box is gray. This is very exciting. What team do you think he's going to choose a guy from, Elon? Well, so far, Dave has Backstrom, Malkin, and Shattenkirk. So maybe he'll want another cap. Duncan Keith. Keith. Yeah, that's not a bad... Uh, he's the fourth player to go from Chicago, which I guess uh, that's, that's about where he belongs. Maybe some people would have him above Taves, but maybe that's crazy for a defenseman. Uh, Dustin out of Youngby, up next. Brian, give me, uh, give me Mark Stone. All right. We got some sends coming off now. Ryan in the chat was not happy. He's like, why all the haves? Why not sends? I'm assuming he, he was thinking, why not sends? So Dustin grabs Mark Stone, and he already has Carlson, so, uh, and he has Ovechkin and Oshie. So you've got two teams, probably a better strategy than what I have going, but I've been trying to host the show here. Give me a break. All right. And uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm hosting the show and making my pick without taking a moment to think. I'm going Philip Forsberg out of Nashville. So he's, he's my first non-Penguin. Crosby, Sherry, Gensel, Forsberg is my team. I'm not sure. Like, I didn't intend to get that deep on Penguins. It just, once you start, it's hard to stop. And you have second. That's the thing with a playoff pool, right? It's a lot of luck involved. And a lot of the luck comes to where you're drafting kind of decides. If you're late in the draft, maybe if you can't get one of the top Penguins or Capitals, then you, you pick your next favorite team. Actually, there's a couple, there's more than just Calgary who have players not picked. And I'm... Uh, I'll just throw it out there. Columbus and Minnesota both have zero players taken from them. Both like top regular season teams. So uh, that's a, that's an interesting, especially with all the St. Or just Elon, are you the only one who's taken St. Louis players? Looks like it. Yeah. So nobody knows what to make of the St. Louis Minnesota matchup. Maybe. Uh, Sorry, Cam, you've been ready for a long time. You have two picks. What are they? Uh, I'm going Ryan Kessler. Okay. We have a second duck. Chris Kreider. And our Ooh. first Ranger is Chris Kreider. Is that our first? I thought there was a Ranger taken already. I don't think so. Oh, there you go. No, we have no Ranger. Well, now we have a Ranger. We have no Flames, no Wild, no Blue Jackets. All right. But we have a Leaf and a Sen and a couple Bruins. 
Brian, what are you going to do? I don't know. I feel like there's some hidden value here on the Rangers right now. Go, go take it. Um, I'm going to just continue my strategy of, uh, should I diversify now? Uh, no. I'm going to go with Ryan. I forget how to say his name every time. Yo, Joe Hansen. Makes sense. You just took Forsberg with your last pick. You've now got Crosby, Sheary, Gensel, Forsberg, Johansson. It's clearly the makeup of a team. It's either going to like go really far or you'll be out in the first round and you'll have no chance. So Yeah. I, I'm curious to know, like maybe Elon, once this is over, we'll share some playoff strategy. Like I don't like I, I'm a big proponent of loading up on on a couple teams. Of course, in a six pick draft, there's only so many picks you have. But I wonder if I've taken that uh, too far yeah. to the extreme. I think it's the type of team that can win. You just need, obviously, right. Nashville and Pittsburgh to make it out of a couple rounds. All right, Dustin's turn. I'll go with Mike Hoffman. All right, so that's Dustin's second. Sen, feeling confident about them getting past the Bruins. And then uh, facing Washington in the... Co- oh, no, that's your third Sen. Three Sens, two caps. You have your Eastern Conference final all mapped out. Uh, Dave, Dave's got a... Uh, Dave's got teams from all cup favorites and two two caps a penguin and a black hawk and dave i'm sorry kessler is already taken i think you just realized that patrick eve's still on the board however well Corey why are you blowing perry. people up right now sorry sorry <laughs> cory perry goes ahead of i won't blow anyone else up goes goes ahead of several other ducks uh he's the third one to go all right brian you're up at a vet landa i'll go with schultz on pittsburgh Okay, so counting on, notice that no D-men have been taken uh, from the Penguins until now. So we're thinking uh, it's going to be Jolts being able to do more than Latang, who may? What's the latest, Elon? Do you, do you know the latest on Latang? Is he coming yeah. back? No, Latang, they announced he's having surgery. I think it was neck or something. And yeah, he's going to be out at least three months. Oh, so man. we'll see if he can make it back for the start of the regular season. Who knows? Maybe this surgery will fix all <laughs> of the problems that have ever happened whole- to him. It's a whole body surgery for Chris Letang. Uh, Jeff, ultimate champ. I, I, you just have to get called that every time. Uh, this, is a, this is a hard pick. Um, yeah, so you, I'll give you another second. You have actually diversified quite thoroughly. You have one Blackhawk, one Shark, one Cap, and one Bruin. Hmm. So are, are we going to keep going with another different team? Or are you going to try and pile or load up? now at this point with sort of like top six players uh let's go david Krejci. david Krejci. okay so going going with boston Hopefully I, I, was, was that a matter of the best players still available from any of the teams you've got players from or is that yeah. you having more faith in boston than the rest of them um a little bit of i guess bias the home or the favorite team but i think Krejci can come back to his playoff masterful yeah. ways yeah yeah, all forever underrated, David Krejci. Uh, Elon, it's finally come around to you. Uh, I'll just type in Alex Steen for you. You don't even have to say it. <laughs> no, actually, I think I might have to go with some best player available strategy. I don't really want to, but I just kind of feel like, how can you not go with this top 20 guy who was one of Steve Laidlaw's all-stars? And I think that maybe Jeff made a mistake, but obviously he's a winner and I'm a loser, so we'll see. But give me David Pasternak. Okay. Yeah. David Pasternak. I, you know, I, I almost, not almost, I did forget about him. I thought crazy <laughs> was definitely the, the logical next step. I don't have a list in front of me. I'm working off memory here. And then Matt's you, you've got two. These are your last two picks. 
Let's let's recap. Maybe for everyone's final picks, we could just give a quick recap here. Matthew has Marshawn, Burns, Arvidsson, Matthew. So four separate teams. What are you going to do for your last two picks? Are you going to pick players on some of the teams you already have? Uh, give me uh, Shea Weber. Okay. Weber. All right. So he's going for a fifth team right here. It'll be really interesting to see what strategy wins out. We'll have to follow this all throughout the playoffs. If it's better to have diversified or to stack up like Brian did. I mean, clearly if Nashville and, and uh, Pittsburgh go to <laughs> yeah. the cup finals, Brian's going to win. It's better to stack up if you're right, but it increases the chances of you being just dead yeah. wrong. But there's no second place prize. So, uh, you know, Matthew has a good team that looks like it's not going to come last, but we'll see. What's the first, first place prize, Elon? Uh, we were chatting about it, actually, in uh, our little Facebook chat. What we've come up with so far is that all of the losers have to make their cupful team name for the first month of the year next year, uh, complimenting the winner. So, for example, if I win, then all of you have to come up with team names like, my team's almost as good as Elon, or, or something along those lines. Those are, those are high stakes. Very yeah. high stakes. People Very take- important pool. Oh, well, I don't know about a play. I haven't been drafting with such high. St- okay, we'll we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it. Hey, okay. it's only for the first month. For a while, you draft. First week. Come on, draft day. Look at someone not confident in his team. Clearly. <laughs> okay, we'll talk. Um, Matthew, you're up. You, you your last pick. All right, so uh, I'll go with Noldi. Um, Captain Clust, Justin Williams. Justin Williams Ooh. going off the board, and like I have to remember for a second that he's not with Washington or with LA. Uh, so you're going on some playoff magic, which is uh, an, a good way to go if, with with your last pick of the draft. If Washington goes deep, he will hopefully be a part of it. All right, Elon, you have two blues. You have an Euler, a Hab, and a Bruin. Who are you rounding out your roster with? All right. Well, I feel like since I have Connor McDavid... I would like to go and assume that he's going to go far. My team's riding on him, so let me get one of his power play line mates. I'll finish up with Milan Lucic. I thought you were going to go with Mark Letestu. Uh, Milan Lucic. So you have... you. I, I like what you've done. You have two teams where you took two players each from and then a couple extras. Yeah, uh, I am here with McDavid, Tarasenko, Radulov, Schwartz, Pasternak, Lucic. We'll see how it goes. By the way, Brian Jade in the chat loves the stipulations and no one else is when we chatted about it on facebook no one else was whining about it so if you I want to back out to nothing if you want to back out of the pool you can and someone else could take over your team i'm sure we have lots of uh couple winners that would be happy to take over your team okay all right point taken uh jeff's got panarin pavelski kuznetsov bergeron krejci he just picked a, a, a guy a second guy from a single team in his last pick jeff who are you rounding out your team with uh marcus johansson Okay, um, so more top six Washington players going in the final round. I'm not keeping track, but I think I think this definitely like cements most players taken from the Capitals. Yeah, I mean, they did win the President's Trophy, so it makes sense. And we'll definitely have to keep some stats. We'll, we'll put out some stats for the Facebook group afterwards of like which team had how many players. You know, it'll be fun to just like get some stats from this spreadsheet. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Johansson, Brian, our one of our MVPs, uh, we picked him up as a free agent in the last week and he really helped us win the championship. Him along with Patrick Eves were really clutch pickups. All yeah. right, we're, we're going to Brian from Vetlanda here. He's got Pacioretty and Galchenyuk from the Habs. He's got Getzlaff. And then he has Kessel and Justin Schultz from Pittsburgh. Is he going to go with another Penguin, another Hab, another Anaheim Mighty Duck? Or I guess just Anaheim Duck or some other team? What's it going to be, Brian? 
I think I got to go someone from the Western Conference here. Um, I'll go for Eves from uh, yeah. Anaheim. I was just thinking if I was you, I would take Eves, especially since you have Getzlaff and they've been so good together. I like your team's chances, to be honest. I also like the Habs. You know, I have Radulov and and who? Oh, just Radulov. Oh, I wanted to have more Habs. But yeah, I, I think you're going to do well. Uh, okay. Dave Benton with his last pick coming up. Uh, he has uh, a Penguin in Melkin. He's got Baxter and Shattenkirk in Washington. He's got Duncan Keith. And he took Corey Perry ahead of Patrick Eves, of course. Uh, so who is his last choice? Uh, I'm going to take another Blackhawk. I think it's going to be them and the Capitals in the final. So I'm going to go uh, Richard Panic. Ooh. Okay. okay. See if you can if you can continue riding uh, riding that wave all the way through the playoffs. He seems like the kind of guy who could really come in handy. Like the the Blackhawks are known for like suddenly like they had. Wait, was Troy Troy Brower did his business with? Was it St. Louis or Washington? Who did he have? His- with Washington. Yeah, he had some moments in Chicago too, uh, way back. Uh, but I, who was the other guy I was thinking of? Oh, Brian Bickle, who got a big contract. Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufflin. You know, they made their names in the playoffs with Chicago. Yeah. The question is, is Richard Panic the right guy? Maybe the one he should have been looking for was Marion Hosa or Brent Seabrook or Schmaltz. Or <laughs> but- Mistroza. All right, Dustin from Youngby. Well, not That's the way okay. I wanted to go, but uh, I'm going to have to go Kyle Turris. Okay, so going for the Sens, beating Boston, clearly. Your team ends up as you've got Stone, Hoffman, and Turris. So you got the top power play. Oh, and Carlson. You basically got Ottawa's top power play. Every time Ottawa scores a power play goal, you're going to be loving it. You really need the Sens to get out of the first round. And then you've also got Ovechkin and Oshie. So you're pulling a Brian here. You've got your two teams. Brian has his two teams guaranteed you guys won't be going one and two in this pool. One of you is going to be a lot higher than the other, or maybe you'll just both be last. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a team that could win. We'll see if the Sens can uh, make your dreams come true. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> okay, so it's my last pick, and I have to say there are four guys left that I would be happy with. I'm not going to name them. Why not? What's the well, difference? Cam, Cam is left. I don't want to... Brian, Cam is a cupful Tier three winner, <laughs> newly anointed to tier one. Do you think he really needs your advice? And he's gonna like hear a, a, a name from someone who got eliminated in the quarterfinals. I already got. Well, my why pick. are you so? Why he's already you got so his pick. To, okay, okay, Cam's got his pick. So, okay, so here's here's what I'm thinking. I can really go hard on the pens and add Hornquist. I can mm-hmm. go even further on the Preds and grab Roman Giozzi or Subban. I'm not getting them, so I haven't decided which one's better. Or I can go to their three teams who nobody has taken a player from. I can take Goudreau from Calgary, who I think has a decent chance of making it. Like, I actually did, like, a, a, a quick playoff bracket today. And somehow Calgary got to the Stanley Cup final. And it felt wrong. So, obviously, my confidence in them is reflected in, in here. Anyway, he's still out there. Cam Atkinson, although that would be silly of me uh, because I have all Penguins. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, only still only yeah. one Ranger taken, and I think if any Eastern team has a chance against Montreal, uh, maybe Boston too, but the Rangers do. Sorry, in okay, the, yeah. on the Atlantic and also side. Minnesota has been taken. You can take us an so, Eric Stahl. And Cam has clear. before you make your pick. Before you make your pick, Cam has Brian named one of the players that you have lined up for your pick. Are you nervous right now that he's going to take the guy you want? Yeah, he named my player. Yeah. Uh-oh, but okay. which one is well, it? Well, actually, I, I saved my best. I think Cam's going to take Zuccarello is my prediction. 
Uh, I'm going Mikhail Grenland. I think it's a crime oh. that nobody thinks Minnesota is going to get past St. Louis in the first round. And if they do, they'll have Chicago and Nashville. I think they can take both one, both both of them. So I am going uh, with my lone non-pen, non-pred in Mikhail Grenland. You're going Grenland. Cam's got his pick already locked in there in Zuccarello, which makes sense. Oh, let him announce it. Sorry. Cam, who you got? <laughs> uh, we're taking Matt Zuccarello, New York Rangers, All right. Stanley Cup champions. All right. I'm so clairvoyant. So Cam's team here ends up as he's got Kreider and Zuccarello. So top, you know me, Brian. I love the top power play guys. So Cam's going to be getting his power play points from Zuccarello and Kreider. He's got Kessler from Anaheim, who actually I think was bumped for by Eves. I don't know. Anaheim kind of shifts around a bit. The thing with Anaheim is their defenseman uh, situation. I'm not sure who's healthy and who's not. I think Fowler's definitely out. Anyways, then he's got Dreisaitl and then Kane and Taves at the top. So, yeah, a pretty nicely balanced team. This is going to be fun. We're going to post... Brian, give me a, a URL for where I could post these uh, pool results here, uh, draft okay. results. How about keepingcarlson.com slash... Champ pool. Champ pool. Let me write this down so I don't forget it. Because right, we, have to have a, we have to reserve slash pool for the, the one that we're about to announce. Right. So, by the way, champ pool, that means there's going to be two Ps. There, C H A M P P O O L. Keep Carlson.com slash champ pool to find the results here. Thanks to all of you guys for joining us and congratulations to all of you for winning your couple divisions. It is not easy, as Brian and I know, to win a division in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League. You're against all of the other patrons. You know, it's not just anyone that you're playing against. You're playing against people who are like giving some money to support a fantasy hockey podcast. These are obviously people who know about and care about fantasy hockey. So you guys definitely deserve a lot of credit as do we might as well call out Brian, the other cupful champions there. So like we said, there was the chiefs, Jeff, he was in this pool, Dave, Cam, anyways, I don't, I don't actually have the names in front of me. I have this. We'll, we'll get to it at, at tributes, but the ones who uh, were not able to make it, I'll just shout them out. Now we have uh Oh, actually, I don't have the names up here. I know Jeff H. is one of them, and I'm definitely forgetting. I'll figure it out. You talk. Elon, why don't you talk about how to join the Keeping Carlson playoff pool? Okay, well, I know you make it seem as if it's, like, such a huge, big announcement, but we are going to You have to, to be- build it up. It's a, it, it is a big announcement if we make it a big announcement. Okay. We are going to be having, a, if you enjoyed listening to this and you want to participate in a pool against other patrons, we're going to be doing a pool. But Brian, you make it, it's just for the patrons, okay? Because, you know, these are the people who have stuck with us all year round. But I'm going to say, you can become a patron of Keeping Carlson for the summer special, uh, I guess, promotion. I don't know what you want to call it. Special deal for any amount of money that you want to donate. You can donate literally a dollar a month. Sign up on Patreon. Become a patron of Keeping Carlson. Also, if you're a current patron, you could decrease your pledge down to a dollar. No big deal. And then you get access to our patron-only Facebook group all throughout the summer where you could, you know, talk about your keepers and all that. We'll all be discussing also our monthly patron cast. We're still going to be doing that. Plus, we're going to be discussing the couple for next year and discussing all the rules and all the plans for what we're going to change and all of that. And also, we you know, we're going to be posting the sign-up form there to get early access. And also, we are going to be having... Uh, playoff pool, which is going to be a box pool. And Brian, I don't know why you said it's going to be keepingcarlson.com slash pool. Another incorrect thing, because obviously that's not going to be it because it's a pool just for the patrons. So if I shared the link, then anyone would be able to join the pool. Right? Okay. Oh, right. And- right. So we'll, we'll put the details in the yeah, group. In the Facebook group. If you think like, it, this is a great sneak peek. This is our, our sneak preview section of the year. If you want to know what it's like to be a patron for literally like, well, for so little, I won't call it nothing, but for so little, you can just join for $1, head on over to keepingcarlson.com slash patron, and then you will get 
all the details in the Facebook group. You'll get your invite once you sign up and then you'll see the link that you can join and show everyone that you're the best and win a year of free patronage at full price. We've got two prizes for the winner of the regular patron pool. We already talked about the prizes for this amazing pool that you just listened to. And it's going to be the couple team name has to compliment the winner. We don't know if Brian's going to agree to that. So we might have to take away his team. But okay. uh, for the winner of the actual all patrons box pool, which we're going to be setting up probably tomorrow, first place, free patronage for a year. Basically, you get all the patron perks. You don't have to give us any money. We're like, whatever. Just take it. You're so smart. You know, we, we're lucky to have you in the Facebook group. Patty is and our then, defending champion for the record. Yeah. And Patty won, by the way, her couple divisions here. She just couldn't make it to this draft because she was traveling. So a huge year for Patty. Let's see if she could uh, win this playoff pool. And then second place is a random item from my apartment last year. It was a draft guide from like 2006 or something that I found. I think it was like Paul Korea on the cover. Who knows what you'll get? But second place is going to get some random things shipped to them from my apartment. So Sorry, Elon. The, and the other winners, you mentioned Patty, uh, Anthony, Max, and Bobby are the others who could not be with us tonight. But congratulations to them. And Elon, is this an appropriate time to congratulate and mourn the rest of the fantasy teams this year? I guess no time like the present. We didn't get to go over all of our stats leaders, but I guess maybe we're... Do you uh, want to do we'll have to save that... Well, have a, let's just do a couple really quick ones and then we'll get to that. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not in a rush. Feel free, by the way, you know, the couple winners are still here. You can hang out. Uh, let us know if you have a comment. Maybe put up your hand. You could like unmute yourself. You guys are definitely worthy of having your opinions shared. Okay, what do we got here? So in terms of we were talking about the leaders in goals, I wanted to mention the leaders in power play points. So Backstrom and then Hedman and Kucherov. And then Claude Giroux was actually fourth this year in power play points. So a guy who a lot of people think probably fell out of elite status He's still elite in special teams points. And you also have Phil Kessel there, who, you know, I don't know if he's still in elite status after this season. He was great, but maybe not elite. But in terms of power play points, if your league counts that, you know, very, very valuable, those guys. And by the way, Victor Hedman, it's so cool how we used to always complain that he the only reason he didn't have elite value as a defenseman was because he didn't get on the power play. Now he comes second in power play points on the season, only behind Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah, okay, then shots on goal. So, Brent Burns, I think a lot of people were surprised about this, right? Brent Burns leads the league in shots this year, not Alex Ovechkin. A defenseman, we'd have to go back probably to find the last time a defenseman led the league in shots. Has that even ever happened? I don't know if you have those numbers in front of you, Brian, but like obviously he was a fantasy stud because he also helps you in points and in you know hits and blocks. So in a multi-cat league, Brent Burns was like killer winning people their leagues. Then you have Ovechkin, and then Patrice Bergeron comes third in shots on goal on the year, which is especially impressive considering how bad his season was at the start. He ended up being a real stud at the end. Obviously, not only for shots, he also finally started getting the points. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, another solid fantasy year for Patrice Bergeron. I feel like he's always drafted a little too late. He is. He is. Uh, and he had a fantastic season. Like you mentioned, his shot numbers. He last topped the 300-shot mark as a 20-year-old sophomore 11 years ago, back in 2005, 2006, it's actually the only other time he's managed the feats. This is the second time he's done it. And he becomes the eighth player to do it in the last three years, which is a pretty exclusive club to have more than 300 shots. Although, yes, it is somewhat arbitrary. We're leaving out anyone who had 298 or 299 or missed a couple games and could have been above 300 shots. Uh, But he is one of eight who have done it in the last few years. And you were talking about power play before. Elon. And the thing that I, I, I had ready to mention just quickly, like Claude Giroux was second in the league in power play timeline ice. So like either that means it's a hard thing to gauge like how valuable that is, because on one hand, if you have a lot of power play time on ice, 
you're spending more time on the power play, which means maybe you're scoring fewer goals in more opportunities. But on the other hand, you have maybe more opportunities. Like it's not a, it's not nuanced enough to really pull a lot from. And meanwhile, Sagan was down at 20th in the league in power play time on ice. But I guess it also speaks to how much, uh, how much of a role each one plays in their team's power play and Giroux like unquestionably the top flyer and Sagan, I think I would have to go back and look was at least like one of the, he was one of the top stars. I'll go that far. Okay. Yeah. And then actually we were talking about shots and I mentioned that Ovechkin came second behind Brent Burns. He had 310 shots, like amazing, but maybe not Ovechkin amazing. But you know, if we go back to goals for a second, Ovechkin ends the season like tied for 13th in goals and he wasn't injured at all in the year he played all 82 games this year they didn't even rest him you know before the playoffs but we've got like Crosby Kucherov Matthews Marshawn Tarasenko Jeff Skinner Line Atkinson Pacioretty Patrick Kane Anders Lee Anders Lee how much money could you have made if you made a bet that Anders Lee would score more goals than Alex Ovechkin this year insane and then Pasternak and then Malkin Oshi and Ovechkin Ricard Raquel they all tied with 33 goals so Pretty weird year, right? I'd assume this has to have something to do with low shooting percentage, right? Since he still had the second most shots in the league, but only lands like 13th in goals. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot here. This is something we'll definitely get into in the offseason series. I think his shot location changed a bit. I think other teams also solved the Washington power play to some extent, which was his bread and butter. And uh, they were they were able to figure out a way to deny him that like that no doubt one timer that he had been given for the last several years. It is uh, it is jarring to see his name. Like it's jarring to see his name, not as the leading goal scorer or like it worst second leading goal scorer, but out of the top five, out of the top 10, I don't, I, I I'm going to put, put it down right now. I don't expect it to happen again next year. You think he will be in the top five you're saying? Yeah. I think he's going to get back yeah. up there. I think, uh, I think coaching will figure out like why he was denied this year and how he can get, uh, get more next year but in the offseason when we talk about him I'll definitely be looking at his at his heat maps for sh- where his shot locations were to see if anything shifted even ever so slightly okay Brian maybe one more guy actually I'll mention just about goals so many interesting guys to talk about Jeff Skinner we should definitely mention his season he ends with 37 goals he's a guy who I feel like you always bring up as your example of someone who takes a lot of shots but can't convert obviously that wasn't the case this year 37 goals nothing to sneeze at he ends the year also with 63 points in 79 games like a stud year for Jeff Skinner, clearly the most valuable player on Carolina and, and a very valuable player on a lot of people's fancy rosters, especially with all of his shots, 281 shots. Uh, I know this is probably putting you on the spot, but uh, what do you make of this season for Jeff Skinner? Is it sustainable? Can he do it again? Is he now a 35 plus goal scorer? Was he ever, I mean, I was going to say, was he ever not? We always thought that he had 30 plus potential. And then it turned out that he was one of those high volume shooters who couldn't score. And the underlying question here is how high, a ceiling can a Carolina hurricane have his 63 points this year. They're the most by a hurricane since Eric Stahl had 70 back in 2011, 2012. And between then and in the three full seasons that have passed between then and now the high watermark was 54 points in a season by a Carolina hurricane. And that came from Jeff Skinner too. So it's a nice new high bar in Carolina. His percentages were up a bit uh, enough to say like, maybe there's a, uh, room to think that there's going to be some clawback from those totals uh so i I don't know i I, i'm i'm comfortable saying 30 goals it's nice to see that he was actually able to convert those shots into goals this year 
And uh, again, something it'll be interesting to see where he slots in. If he slotted in, like who would you prefer next year, Elon, between Jeff Skinner and Ricard Raquel? Jeff Skinner, I think. Yeah, me too. Okay. But I mean, I really like Ricard Raquel, but I don't like how he's off the top power play. So, you know, it just makes me think that you can't like bank on him to be playing with Getzlaff. I, I feel like right now what we're seeing is that the guy playing on Anaheim with Getzlaff is the one you want. And, and if you can't guarantee that, then you don't take him over a guy who's guaranteed to, first of all, give you a ton of shots like Jeff Skinner and who is capable of having close to 40 goals. Okay, a few other categories. By the way, for people listening and thinking that this has been a weird episode, keep in mind, I'm going to remind people now because I don't want to change my mind here. I'm not editing this show. Okay, normally we give you a finely edited, perfect episode with no stumbles. Brian had a crazy stumble earlier when he was talking to Steve Laidlaw. I'm sure you're all remembering that and thinking, that's normally not the show. What, is Brian uh, drunk? It's like, no, I just didn't edit it. He, he always talks like that. Why do but I, you why so do I... easily could. You so easily could. You know exactly where it happened. You could save me some face. And right now people will just be like, wow, Brian really didn't make a mistake. And Elon's just being hard on him. I won't be easy. I'd have to listen all the way through and find the spot. It would take a long time. It would be hard to find the spot. Okay, anyway. How about you edit this episode and you could cut out whatever you want? How about that? Um, mm, uh, Okay, (laughs) moving on. Okay, let's just do a few other categories. And also, I wanted to give some playoff strategy. Well, we could fit it all in. Okay, hits. Well, I already mentioned. I just wanted to mention Borowitzki. Just amazing. Like, I I can't say enough about how viable he is in a league that counts hits. Uh, The best player who got a lot of hits that also gives you some points is probably Brandon Dubinsky who had 41 points and was seventh in the league in hits and obviously Adam Larson is a good guy to mention he's someone who doesn't get a lot of fantasy play he didn't get the points that maybe some people were expecting I don't even know obviously Edmonton doesn't look too bad with this trade and obviously I'm sure a lot of non-fantasy podcasts will be talking about if they improved by trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson considering they made the playoffs but Larson was great for fantasy in terms of hits and blocks it's always great if you could find a defenseman who could help you in both of those categories and he did for that with Connor uh, McDavid, like, it's not a matter. Like, they didn't get any better with this trade, IMO. Uh, like, maybe if they made it, I don't know if they tried to sign Jason Demers in the summer. Like, he would have done as good a job or better as Adam Larson did. And, like, you look at the other top-hitting defensemen on, on the list, and even, like, blocks, you got guys like, well, Borowiecki, Luke Shen, Radko Gudas in hits, and then in blocks, it's Chris Russell, Ian Cole, Calvin DeHaan. Like, these are not game-changing defenseman. Um, it was a healthy year from Connor McDavid that got the Oilers to the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, like, Larson did have more even-strength ice time than some of those other guys I've named, so he'll find himself blocking more shots just by being on the ice more often. But he's also played less on the penalty kill than those guys, which is a time when you rack up blocks. Uh, and I'll remind everyone, like, my distaste for players who have a lot of hits and blocks, or maybe not, not my distaste, but my caveat, which is that if they're throwing a hit or blocking a shot, then they don't have the puck. You can't do those things when you have the puck. Unless you are Eric Lindros in NHL 94 for Sega Genesis, then you can hit while you have the puck and take a penalty every single time. Uh, and Larson, Elon, I don't know if you mentioned his final total on the season, 19 points, did not get a look or much of one on the power play. Yeah. By the way, in those old NHL games, getting hits was very valuable. Even if you don't have the puck, that's how you get the puck. You hit the guy with the puck, and then all of a sudden you have the puck. That's that's what I remember was my main strategy in that game. But, okay. Um, now let's talk about... Actually, Brian, so... Oh, we got to get some goalies. So really quickly, let's mention some top goalies in their well, categories. Okay. Yeah, quickly. Because... Uh, You're tired. No. Oh, I guess we don't have much else to go to, to get to. 
Hey, I'm fine. I'm feeling great. Oh, well, you're feeling so fine. You could edit the show. No problem. No, I'm feeling fine because I know I don't have to edit the show. Uh-huh. So we could go as late as we want. I'm just going to enjoy my moose head. And I'm going to finish the show. We got Dustin and Matthew here watching the show. We got a bunch of people still in the chat room. Cheers, everybody. And let's move on to some goalie leaders. So for wins, I already mentioned when we were talking to Steve, which feels like a long time ago now. But uh, Holpe and Talbot. Both ended up tied for wins. And you have Bobrovsky and Dubnik. We already talked about those guys. Carey Price comes fifth in wins. He also comes seventh in save percentage. So Carey Price was not... I remember going into the season, I was thinking, this is a guy you could draft and he could carry your goalie categories for you. He's going to give you the best save percentage. So many wins. He was good. But, you know, that just goes to show how hard it is to draft goalies. And why I said on the last Patreon cast, when we were talking about strategies for next year for trying to win, I think don't draft a goalie so high. What's the point? Why take a goalie in the first round like Carey Price? You can just as easily get Bobrovsky six rounds later, and he ends up being better. So, I mean, I guess it's nice to have the sure thing, and obviously you want to get a starter. But, you know, you could get it wrong. You could take Henrik Lundqvist, and he ended up being like a brutal own this year, especially for where he was likely drafted. But anyways, yeah, so that's goalie wins. And then saves, we got to give a lot of shout-outs. If your league counts saves, no one better than Cam Talbot, right? Especially since he also led the league in wins, tied with Holtby. He had a 919 save percentage, which isn't elite, but definitely serviceable, and even had a good, okay number of shout-outs. He had seven shout-outs, actually, which ties him for third in the league. So Cam Talbot, Brian, actually, let me ask you about him, since I, I want to get you in on here. Where do you draft him for goalies next year? Which goalie tier do you put him in? You're the author of the Schmore Goalies Board Goalie Tiers. Talbot has clearly jumped up. He's now on a good team. He seems like a good goalie and he plays a ton. That seems to me like he should be like tier two or three at, at worst. Yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty good goalie on what's a pretty good, like I still have my hesitation in calling Edmonton a pretty good team because you take McDavid away and like, I don't think they're a very good team at all, but they do have him. It is reality. So uh, very good or Pretty good goalie, above average goalie on an above average team. That is tier, at least tier three material, if not tier two. Yeah, it'll be really fun to do that over the summer. One of our favorite summer series episodes usually comes out around September. I think Schmorgoliesborg, we rank all the goalies and put them into tiers. You can always check out last year's Schmorgoliesborg and then tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know where we went wrong. I'm sure uh, Brian might remember some of his mistakes. Obviously, I, I made them too. Um, by the way, an interesting note in terms of the goalie leaders and saves, after Talbot, you have some guys that we haven't mentioned yet. Frederick Anderson came second, and Robin Leonard came third. So both of those guys had more saves than Bobrovsky and Dubnik, which seems weird considering Bobrovsky and Dubnik, I'm pretty sure, played more games, maybe not than Anderson, but just goes to show how many shots the Leafs and the Sabres let in. Leonard actually had a really under-the-radar decent season, a 920 save percentage, and he gives you all those saves. Obviously, the wins are where he doesn't stack up to some other starting goalies, but if Buffalo could get a little better next year. Maybe he could be a guy that you might want to look at. 920 save percentage, nothing to sneeze at. And obviously he plays a lot if he's going to come third in the league in saves. That's what we said going into this season, though. If Buffalo can get better, then look at Leonard. He's still an inconsistent-ish goalie. He did have an above-average save percentage by the end of the year. So let's give him that for sure. And I do think Buffalo will be better next year. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Good point. Maybe worth taking a little earlier than you did this year. 
just another one of those goalies that instead of drafting your maybe second goalie really uh, early, maybe wait a while, take a shot on Robin Leonard. He might end up being better than the guy who you have to reach for. Ryan in the chat is saying, by the way, when I was talking about uh, Edmonton and how I think they're going to be really good, and he's saying that McDavid should get the Hart Trophy. I feel like that's a no-brainer. Are there people that disagree with that? I haven't really been reading what the buzz is on the Hart Trophy this year, but I feel like Edmonton is the type of team where with McDavid, they're in the playoffs with a good chance to get out of the first round without McDavid they would have done nothing and they would have like come like last in the league I think the only comparable player in that definition is Carlson you take Carlson away from Ottawa and they have very little to work with I mean they have decent players maybe more decent players than Edmonton so I I guess in that case McDavid wins and I guess the other very valuable player would be uh would be Carey Price in Montreal, even though he's struggled at times this year. So maybe he's not in the running for it anymore. Yeah, if he's not going to be a top goalie in the league, then I don't think he could win the Hart Trophy. Like, if you can't win the Vesna or even be nominated, which I don't think he will be, I guess it'll be fun to see. Uh, obviously, this is all speculation. This is, like, nothing to do with stats and numbers and the stuff we care about. But I guess some, something fun to always think about. Okay, uh, rounding this out, so save percentage, you had Bobrovsky. Craig Anderson, got to mention him. Second in save percentage for all goalies who played at least 30 games, 926. So an amazing year for him. We'll see how he could do in the playoffs. And, you know, it's interesting. Like both you just talked about McDavid and Carlson. And then you have Craig Anderson and Talbot, two goalies who also helped those teams to get farther than maybe people thought they would. Then Holtby Gibson is another guy that we've been following. He had a really great year. Then Dubnik Murray, Carey Price. So, okay. Right. Uh, Matt Murray, by the way. I'm wondering, speaking of these awards, is Matt Murray going to get nominated for the Calder Trophy? It's pretty amazing that he's the starting goalie on one of the best teams in the league, got a bunch of wins, 923 save percentage, you know, in the top six here, and he might not even get a Calder nomination. Just goes to show how good the rookies were this year. But he's probably one of the best keeper league goalies out there, I'd imagine. The rookies were very good, and yeah, he is an elite keeper league goalie. Okay, Brian, how about now let's get past these lists. Do you have any playoff strategies we could just do this you know if you have anything off the top of your head why don't you share it now i'll share a couple for people who are entering playoff pools similar to the one we just did you gotta just go pick players and then hope that your teams go far what do you think is a good way to win your league or at least have a chance to win so i think your playoff pool strategy and i demonstrated it in my own team picking is you pick the teams that you think are going to make it the furthest and then you try and load up on those. I don't think you win a playoff pool by getting like the top player on a team that's knocked out in the first round. So uh so so that's my strategy. Elon, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but like I know I think our way is to you you figure out what a player's point per game totals are and you have a rough estimate for how many games they'll play. You do the math and you see who's gonna get you the most points that way. Of course you don't know if a series is gonna go four or seven games, but I still think it's a helpful thing, even if you just assume every series goes six. Uh, so I think that's that's about the bulk of my playoff strategy. I, I think you should pick some teams, um, have a sleeper team ready, like mine for this draft was Nashville. So, you know, a team that you can get the top players from without having to spend early picks on that you think have a shot at getting through. Now, a lot of people will probably disagree with me thinking Nashville has a shot to get to to get all the way through since they are starting off against Western Conference favorite Chicago. But that's why I took them later on. With my with my fourth pick. Yeah, so Brian, if I hadn't taken Tarasenko and like Jaden Schwartz early on, would you have still taken the Nashville guys or would you would you have gone for the St. Louis guys if you still could have at that point? No, I think St. Louis is like the 
I think they're the if I had to bet on one team losing their matchup for sure in the first round, I would bet St. Louis. Oh, wow. So you think I made a big mistake. So you really like Minnesota to beat St. Louis? I don't know. Minnesota's been so shaky. And I feel like uh, Minis- uh, St. Louis, I don't know. They have like uh, some good scores. I think they'll get it together. I think the Wild will get it together. And I should clarify, in the Western Conference, if I had to choose one team I was sure would lose. Yeah, it would be well, the Blues. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm not we'll sorry. See. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, I, you pretty much covered it. I think the main thing with these playoff pools, first of all, is like, don't beat yourself up if you lose. Like, it's very hard to win a playoff pool. There's a lot more luck involved, especially if you can't do ad drops during the season. Like, you're pretty much just picking a team to win. And it's very hard to predict who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Maybe, Brian, we could both give our Stanley Cup favorites. I like the idea of maybe instead of picking a team that's like a real long shot, you know, like Brian went with Nashville guys who are against like the top team in the conference. I like going with someone who's maybe in one of that that four or five matchup where it's at least I think a better chance so I'd rather take like a St. Louis or a, a Rangers even though the Rangers actually are the second wild card or the first wild card but you know they're basically even with Montreal so I'd rather load up on uh, guys on a team that has a tough first round matchup versus a team that's like a big long shot but who knows at the end of the year like you're, you're picking a couple of teams and then you're riding them and also a lot of it depends on when, when you pick in the draft like I thought like, I do think Washington is probably the team that's going to likely win the cup this year. But once a bunch of capitals were taken, it would have been dumb of me to take with my first pick, I think, like, you know, a guy like Oshie or whatever, because I'm probably going to lose anyway. If By the time we get to my first pick, if Washington's going to end up winning the cup, I'm already in a lot of trouble because all their best players have already been taken. So I might as well just say, if they don't win the cup, then what's my next best chance to win? So. Right. Right, you have to know when to cut bait on on the bracket you filled out. Essentially, you need to go in with your bracket ready and then have a couple teams ready in the back of your mind. Like, if this bracket doesn't happen, the next teams I want most are, and mine for that draft, by the way, were Minnesota and Calgary. So, Elon, what's your, you what, know, what is your Stanley Cup prediction? I have Pittsburgh over Nashville. I'm going to say Washington over... Mm, I like... I like Anaheim generally. Like, I I don't know. No, I'm going to say... No, I'm going to go even more crazy. I'm going to say Edmonton has a miracle I run. I like that. Because I of like Connor that. McDavid. I think Edmonton probably has a better chance of getting to the final than Calgary. Like, it is... It's crazy to think that suddenly the Oilers have a shot. Like, the West is, like, oddly open this year. No one's looking at the Sharks either. The Stanley Cup finalists last year, not much has changed, Yawn. although Martin Jones has been shaky all year yeah. long so that'll That's be true. something that yeah i think is. a lot has changed i think a lot has changed what's changed i think i think that hurdle well what's changed is more just like the players aren't as good as they used to be well they got older like thornton and marlowe are are another year yeah. older they didn't they didn't address their issues of depth in their top six let alone their top 12 so uh, yeah but if they made it through last year i think if jones plays well i think thornton can play well long enough is couture do we know is he is he going to start the playoffs healthy Oh man, I could look that up. I think he's still injured. Also, like Hurdle last year, I feel like was a big piece. And some, I, I'd be really interested to know what what happened to him, like why he went from being a sure top line guy last year that was really good at producing to being a guy who couldn't crack the top crack the top six for most of the year. Couture is not listed in the probable lineup for Saturday's home game against the Flames. That was the last news we heard. It seems like his injuries beyond day to day. I don't know. I, I don't think that uh, he's going to be starting the playoffs from what I'm seeing here. So. If, they, if there's, like, I mean, the, the Sharks have good defense. Like, if there's a team that in the West who has the defense, the back end equipped to isolate and handle McDavid, I would say it could be could be the Sharks without thinking too hard. 
about the other teams who have made it. But yeah, I think they've got like in Paul Martin and Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, I mean, Brent Burns is great offensively. So when he's on the ice, it's it's hard to get the puck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, in the chat here, Matthew's first of all saying Minnesota's his call. He has no faith in St. Louis. The more I think about it, like St. Louis literally was a seller at the trade deadline trading Shattenkirk. <laughs> But maybe that was dumb of me to like pick their players. I don't know. I just because I saw Tarasenko available and he's so good. And then I thought since I had Tarasenko, I might as well. Go. I don't know. Whatever. Well, Montreal, and then Ryan, you, have, you have Radulov. Like I think Montreal's got the best shot of any team not named Washington or Pittsburgh to make it. Like I, I think the the East is also weak enough that Carey Price could be the difference between Montreal and any team, including the Rangers. Uh, so like yeah. they, I think they're they're a pretty solid bet to get through to the Eastern Conference Final. And by the way, Ryan said in the chat here, Edmonton over Chicago. I can't see that with Oil's shaky back end. So yeah, I picked Edmonton to win out in the West. The thing with Chicago is last year, they got knocked off in the first round, if I recall correctly. And they haven't improved their team. Like, they don't have any new players. If anything, Anisimov's injured. They're one player down. So, I don't know. I think someone else? Someone's missing from the top six? Anisimov, I just said. I thought someone else. Like, an uh, uh. Okay, I don't know. Forget it. All right. No edits. Okay. So, but yeah, I feel like Chicago last year, we all finally saw how they were too thin. And I guess maybe guys like Panic and Schmaltz and whoever have like stepped up and shown they could be somewhat valuable, these fantasy contributors. I don't know about for the team. Like clearly they're in the top six. Uh, Hartman is there. Like they have a lot of names. So if all those guys can really come through, but these are all really young players. I don't know. I'm not so confident. St. Louis, by the way, it, how far we've come. St. Louis beat that beat the Blackhawks in seven last year. Sorry, Andrew Shaw had a good performance uh, for for Chicago, even though I don't think that's yeah. Is that all I'm thinking of? Uh, and then also Dallas beat the Wilds four to two. Crazy how things change in a year. Yeah. All right, Brian. How about we go now to pay tribute to the teams who made it so so far but then couldn't win their leagues. This has been such a crazy episode, by the way, just jumping around. (laughs) Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know if you made it to the end of this episode. We should think of like a hashtag that people could tweet if they made it. Like just hashtag I made it KK. Okay. All right. Tweet tweet that if if you made it to the end of the episode. Okay. Let's start our sad music, which is called Happy Father's Day. And... Let's name these teams which made it right to their leagues, probably finals. Oh, it must be the finals if it's last week, but then couldn't pull it off. So sad, but good job getting so far. By the way, your league shouldn't end on the last week. I see you wrote that, no. Brian. Yeah, that's a big mistake. Anybody, like, I, congratulations, and I'm sorry also if you lost, but if you're playing in a league that ends the last week of the NHL regular season, please fix that for next year. Matthew's showing us his phone. He's tweeted it. He's getting it started. Oh, yeah, he made it live. Wow. All right. All right, here we go. I already started the music, so... Truffle Shuffles. Freaks and Deeks. Couldn't pull it out. Couldn't deke their way to the win. Team Furtado, who were laid to rest by his wife's six more shots. Hey, if you're going to lose, at least keep it in the family. Team Mystic, who who I, like, wrote a lot about how... uh, they would have beaten the first place team had they either not played Mason in one game or had they played Mason in another game, which is just like Mason is, is that guy who like he can either break your season by playing him on the right wrong night or making it, or you can make it by playing him on the right night. So team mystic falls victim to Steve Mason. 
Uh, Dave is saying in the chat, I can't hear the music. I don't know, Dave, I think there's something wrong with your audio. If you listen <laughs> back to the podcast tomorrow, I'm pretty sure you'll hear it. Oh, um, man. Crosby, Stalls, and Nash. The Second Sons. Two S's because he has Carlson and Ekman Larsson. Nice. But he lost. Easy's Hockey Gods. Kramerica Industries. One of two Seinfeld references in the hockey team names tonight. Love it. Brulee's Rules. Uh, yeah. First all year. And then bad first week. Oh, uh, also two week playoff matchups. He said bad first week in the playoffs ended it. Two week playoffs matchups. Don't leave it just up to one random happening week. Uh, predict a bill. Better call Stahl. Eric Stahl getting a lot of props. B people. I guess it could be Jordan Stahl. Okay. Every day I'm Buffaloon. Too Many Devils, which is both the team name and the reason that they lost. <laughs> I guess so. Corey Schneider, by the way, by the end of the season, New Jersey was swapping between Schneider and Kincaid. They were like just a tandem. Crazy how far he's fallen. Anyways, yeah. Too Many Devils. Any devil. Well, and Taylor Hall also, like, bad plus minus. Okay. Trash Bandicoot. Kings Bufflin. And that's it. I, I have to say, it's so exciting when we get to this part of the season, Elon, because we have so many people tweeting us, telling us like how they're doing. And it's so exciting that, you know, the, their successes and that we feel like we can be a part of it. And it's so nice that our winners list is insanely long this week. I like to think that everyone who listens to this show wins at least one of their pools, if not every single one of them. Uh, so, yeah. Elon, how about we get to those starting with let's how about let's give the Wait. cup full... Before you do, we're going to start the music now. This is the music we decided on last week. We were having a little debate. We decided on the winning music from Dr. Mario. So we're going to go with that again this week. So let's get that queued up. And yeah, Brian, go ahead. Sorry. All right. So let's start. uh, Let's start in Vetlanda. Let's start with our tier six cup full champs. uh, Walls Balls. And then the Solder Taj Sutter Taj. We name these divisions. We don't even know how to pronounce them. They're all teams that Eric Carlson has played on. Uh, so yeah, Vetlanda winners, Walls Balls, which was one of our competitors here in our draft earlier this episode. Okay. The Book Booms. Sutter Taj champions. Congratulations. The winners of the Small Land Division, Deeks of Hazard. Winner of Lejungbi, another participant in our draft. Can you hear me now? The Boras winner. Joining me in the Boras... Hall of Fame or Hall of Winners is That's All Folks. Oh, you won Boras last year. Yep. Oh, I've never won a cupful division. Sad. That's why I'm in tier two, like a loser. All right. Uh, <laughs> Boro Holland champion, Dirty Mac and the Boys. Is that McKinnon? If it is, uh, I guess he was okay. Uh, now we're into out of tier six and into tier five, the tier five champion, Austin. 416. I get that Austin spelled like Austin Matthews. Oh, Matthew is raising. He's on. He's still on the, the live show with us, uh, gracefully accepting his championship. What's the. Am I missing some? Oh, 416, like 416, the area code. What are you talking. Austin. Oh, I get it. Because it's normally oh. like Steve Austin 316. Um, yes. Matthew is confirming. Yes, I got it. I just Wait, got so it Ma- now. Matthew lives in Toronto? I don't think huh. so. But Austin Matthews plays for Toronto, and he spelled, oh, okay. he changed it from being with an I to an O. Gotta, okay. it, it's a themed, it's, a, it's front to end, start to finish. I hope, the st- I hope this song is long enough to make it through all these names. 
At some point, you might hear an awkward restarting of the song. Okay. <laughs> Don't call it a comebackstrom. Winners of the Joker division. Very impressive. Good job, Patty. Real Bacon took tier three, the Binghamton division. Is that opposed to, to Turkey Bacon? Okay, well, that was Cam, who also participated in our draft. Then we got No Money, No Problems, Dave, winner of my division, Tier 2. He changed his name a bunch throughout the season, and he finally changed it to No Money, No Problems after he blew his fab before the playoffs even started and still wins. Um, Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I I had so much free agent acquisition budget left over when I got eliminated, like a loser. Hashtag blow your fab. He lived by (laughs) it, and he won by it. And finally, our ultimate champion in 2017, the first ultimate champion of the Cacupful ever in the Sweden Division Tier 1, the Chiefs. Actually, yes. not even the the there, just Chiefs. Chiefs! Okay, good job, Jeff. We heard from him earlier sharing his pearls of wisdom. Okay, Brian, let's go through the rest of this winner's list. The people who tweeted at us or posted on our Facebook group that they won their leagues. All right. Uh, okay, I'll start. Sons of Odin. Actually, I just realized I'm going to get my enthusiasm up here. All right. Fighting Fenwicks. Oh, good one. The Russian machines, they never broke. Talk to Jahan. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. Enthousi- is that enthusiasm or is that just like odd, uh, non-conventional inflection? Okay. Darren Helms Deep. The Matt Hatter, back-to-back winner. Shady Mickey's Ghost Bear, under. Oh, sorry. Undefeated. They went 20-0 and in the regular season and carried it through the playoffs. Wow. Sounds like someone who should probably be joining the couple because their league is too easy. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Vulgar display of power play. Like Ike, who won their league from 7th place over the 1st place team in a massive upset. Thanks to us, they said, ah, which is very nice. You're welcome. Free podcast. We help you win thousands of dollars in your pool, I assume. Barkov, worse than bite. Salty Gooch. North Korea. Ah, old school reference. I like it. Back to back also, by the way. Named after Paul, I imagine, and not the lesser known brother, Steve. Steve Korea. We have a friend. I don't know if you remember, Brian, in our <laughs> yeah, youth group growing up that Steve Korea had a really good preseason for the Vancouver Canucks. And then our friend took him in the first round of the playoff pool uh, like a dummy. I will, uh, no, that was the regular season. Oh, regular pool. season pool. <laughs> it was amazing. I will never forget that. Uh, the Great Valley Longnecks. Congratulations. By the way, can you explain to me Salty Gooch? Like, I'd what rather player? not. Like, I, I don't know. And I, I think I'm better off just not thinking but, too hard about it. Is it a player or just something funny? Okay. Uh, if you think of it, let us know in the chat room if you think of it. Uh, Crazy Joe Devola. That is Cam, who was a previous guest on the podcast. That's amazing that Cam won because he literally had traded for... Somehow he got every single all-star on his team. If he didn't win, that would have been a travesty. The White Rock Grizz. Boon Shakalaka. Good. That's, really? that's a great name. It's okay, but Boone Jenner, really? He's the guy who you're going to yeah, put in Yeah, but it works. If, you, if you're a big NBA Jam fan, then that really works well for you. And he won. Anyway, good I'm job. not sure if I made a typo when writing this name or if this is actually what it's supposed to be. I'm not going to go back and look. Brooklyn Island. Okay. You know, uh, there's a thing called copy-paste. So if you see it one place, you don't have to retype it. Anyway. 
Oh, I'll teach you about computers. Okay. Well, uh, no, the thing is, when I have the list open in one browser, but I have the browser where I'm typing active, it's faster for me than to click back and forth between the two windows to just okay. type it. I guess. I, I doubt that, but okay. I'll get... What? I gotta practice this. Oglethorpe's Wrath. Oglethorpe's Wrath. It's an Ogie Oglethorpe reference. Who's that? From uh, Hockey Lore. Ogie Oglethorpe. Oh yeah, totally. You don't know Ogie. You haven't seen the movie with Ogie Oglethorpe in it. It's called called Slapshot. Oh yeah, it's popular. Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. Uh, Flurry of Salmon. (laughs) The Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Uh, and how appropriate, coming next, Orange Crush. Because they wear orange. Who does? The ducks. Okay, cool. Saganomics Anonymous. The Ripper took home their championship. Ooh. Crunch timers. Wow, that was so good. Puck Masters. Who's your dowdy? I like that. Ov oh my, Ovechkin! Another undefeated season, so another could cut full must join next year. If you went undefeated, you owe it to yourself to join uh, to join to join us. Undefeated season with Liney, Ovechkin, Kucherov, and Pasternak. Way to go! Unbelievable, man. We got a long list still to go. Okay, OPG Premier. I love that. I used to be a big fan. You know, they were kind of the crappy cards. Well, no, at first they were the only ones and they were the good ones. Then once like Upper Decks and came out in like the 90s, then it was over for OPG. What do you prefer between OPG and Shake and Bake? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Tops. Oh, no, I, that, that's the next team that won two championships in two years since becoming a regular listener to the show. Coincidence? Perhaps. Probably not. Uh, should we start a spinoff podcast about hockey cards? I really want to talk about them now. I think uh, there could be there could be some interest. Okay, let us tweet at us at Kevin Carlson <laughs> if you would listen to a podcast about hockey cards. Like uh, history, hash, the history hashtag I made it and I want a hockey card podcast. No, two separate hashtags. Ooh, or maybe an audio book about the history of. Okay, hot dog is a sandwich. Only a matter of time. Pokemon's with a Z. Carly's Angels. Burn the cross checkers. West Valley Wild Things. Gotham Knights. Gonna take their rival to Arkham Asylum. I like the I put the Batman reference in the doc. Matthew's clapping. I'm gonna guess it's his team. Also, Yay. multiple league winner. Carl Sons of Anarchy. Man, I only won one league out of three this year. Oh, this is people have won multiple leagues. Ugh. I need a break. Where are we? <laughs> Gino Machino. H.C. Hamos. Puckmaster. <laughs> well, actually, I had that in the list twice, so... Yeah, sorry. Uh, Hattrick Liney. So what, we said Puckmaster twice? Yeah. Well, actually, the first time I said Puckmasters, so... I think it's the same it's, team twice. Maybe it's a different team. Maybe. It's a very great name. <laughs> Could be. That's an intimidating maybe. name. I would not want to face the Puck Master. Either one. Montreal Wolves, Les Gargouilles, and the Mobard team. Three wins from one dude. That's that's how you play fantasy hockey. DJ 
It's Zoom Capitals, so I'm going to go DJME, which I'm just going to guess is, uh, is, is stands for Millennium Edition. Remember that really great Windows operating system that lasted for like eight months? That was like the start of Mark Edward Vlasic. Oh, so maybe the Vlasic is... I don't think it's missing. Or it's just DJ me. Okay. Congrats. Closo Hockey. And finally, rounding out our list, our final winner of 2017. Congratulations to the Lily Monsters. Nice. Okay, that is a nice long list. That's what we like to hear. Hopefully it's what you guys like to hear. But hey, it's the season finale. So... Give us a little bit of uh, space to do what we want here. Okay, we'll obviously be back next year with our super tight, awesome episodes of Keeping Carlson. But before we get to that, we've got a whole summer series ahead. We're going to be taking a week off. We'll be back in a couple of weeks or so to start. I guess obviously we'll be talking about the playoffs, but also start looking back on the season in detail. What can we learn? All the lessons that we'll take into our drafts next year. So the best way to get notified when there's a new episode of Keeping Carlson, subscribe to us. You know how, like whatever. However you're listening to this episode, if you're like on a browser right now listening to it because maybe you saw a tweet by Dabber Hockey, that's great. But go to iTunes, go to like download Pocket Casts on your Android phone. You'll figure it out. Subscribe to the show. Thanks again to everyone who stuck with us all throughout this year. This, Brian, was our fourth season of Keeping Carlson. Can you believe it? Time flies. And it's because of our listeners that we keep going. And we really appreciate everyone who has helped us build this podcast into the, I don't know, mega success that it is. Yeah. Thanks to everyone. Don't forget to join our playoff pool for patrons only, but the, it's so easy to become a patron. And uh, just for a dollar, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. A dollar a month, not per episode, not per anything, just per month. And uh, we will get back at you. Uh, we're scheduled to on April 23rd. Yeah. By the way, guys, did you notice how we didn't put any advertisements this show? We gave up the potential to earn like hundreds of dollars, but we decided, no, we don't want it. This is our season finale. So throw us a buck. Okay. Keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Brian, how about with that? Let's cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. I'm going to do that. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and supported by our wonderful patrons, including our newest one, Chris F. Welcome aboard. Research with help from Dabra Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dabra Prospects, Corsica, Hockey Analysis, Hockey Reference, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Fantrax. Great job as always, Brian. I know you normally like to be in bed by 10. So thank you so much for this great show. Thanks to all of the couple winners who joined us for the draft. Thank you so much to Steve Laidlaw. We got freaking Steve Laidlaw on the podcast to talk about his fantasy all-stars. And once again, thanks everyone for listening. We will catch you all with the start of our summer series in a couple weeks. Until then, keep on keeping Carl Sons.